0: Log Talk Radio.
1: Central. Your source for all things sports. With your host, Richie Altman. Richie Altman. And Eugene Benton taking your call at 323-784-9681. Now, let's join Richie in the studio. Saturday it is here
2: in Charleston, South Carolina, everybody. I'm Rich Yelman here live on Southern Sports Central. Brought it back a little bit. And when I mean brought it back, pushed it back, if we will, like a solid defense on the front line trying to keep the offense out of the end zone. We did that, and we did it well here at 12 o'clock kickoff. And uh, why not? I mean, you know, that's kind of about the time that you would see kickoff on a Saturday on college. Southern Sports Central for the next Three hours. You can make sure you follow us if you're not doing it now. Shame on you. Do it now. Follow us on Facebook at Southern Sports Central. We're hitting it live over on Twitter at SOSports Central. Those are kind of basically the only two avenues that we really kind of go after. We've got an Instagram account, but we try to stay uh, kind of focused on the, the, the facts and the figures and the words, not as much the pictures, if you will. Uh, but when that happens, maybe we'll push that as well. As We're sitting here in the studio, we're watching – uh, some old college football here. Clemson taking on LSU. Uh, this is a kind of a throwback game, of course, uh, but we're all in the mood here for some high school football some college football as uh, we've got a lot to go through today, a lot to digest, if you will. As Yesterday, yesterday for the South Carolina High School League, it was get those helmets on and let's get acclimated with the heat, if you will, and let's get the ball moving. No pun intended, as they did what they do. And I'm wondering how many high schools, jumped in it at twelve o'clock on the dot. If I was a high school football coach, man, I'm putting on some crazy train at twelve o'clock, or maybe even building up to that twelve o'clock midnight, it strikes and we're running out on that field and we're ready to get it. Twelve oh one, we're in full strength. That's how I would have rolled at Friday morning at twelve o one. And I'm sure there were some schools out there that did it. Matter of fact, I think Coach Helms, uh I believe Coach Helms who coaches over uh, if I'm not mistaken, in the Skiza program, he played football at South Carolina. And uh, I believe they actually got after it. Skiza, by the way, started their thing on Thursday. So they've actually been jumping around for 24 hours prior to the public schools. Now everybody. Well, almost everybody. And I, I don't know. I, I, I've seen some tweets out there that have, for those who are starting today, well, who the hell is not starting yesterday? I mean, let's be honest. We've been running and chasing and 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 been in the weight room, hopefully you've been in the weight room. And we've been doing all the things that need to be done. Now it's time to get it and get it good. It's two a days. It's every day. It's getting after it. It's the road to the state championship. Oh, by the way, it's official. We knew it weeks ago. But now it's official, not because it's on the Internet, but because, well, we got the word from the big house up there and the commissioner. South Carolina State will host the Weekend of Champions. That's good for us because it's about an hour away from here. So we, we're about that. We, we like that. Matter of fact, we're not even mad at you if you bring it in Charleston Southern. You're going to move it around, move it around. I still think it's a great place to be on the coast because there's a lot more to get into. You can make it a weekend of champions where people come in and they can enjoy the festivities of the town. Not to say that Orangeburg's not a cool place to hang out, but there's a little bit more things to do in Charleston. There's a little bit more things to do in Myrtle Beach and in Greenville. I mean, Columbia is a nice spot. And again, I, I'm a big advocate, and I'm still trying to understand: if you love the state, if you're about the state, how can you not protect and love these young athletes in the state? I mean, it should be in the University of South Carolina's football stadium every year, every weekend, if they play these games. But it's not because there's an astronomical, acidine amount of money that they're charging the high school league and the kids that play in the state. It's just, it's just, to me, it's un, unheard of the number that comes across the line. But we'll move on because we're going to celebrate South Carolina State and Coach Buddy Pugh getting a chance to roll out the red carpet for these athletes that in December will have an opportunity to take home some rings and some things and win a state championship. That's going to be the fun part, right? But they got to get there. And that road didn't start yesterday. But it damn sure got the accelerating pedal to the metal, if you will, going in that direction. Because, listen, if you waited until Friday – Guys, listen, you're way behind the mark. But I can tell you that's not what's happening because you see the guys on Twitter working out seven on seven, this, that, and the other, and the third. I mean, I have this conversation on a regular basis. They play more high school sports. They're nonstop football, nonstop. It's a season that never sleeps. So if you're only paying attention from about August until November, then you're missing out on a lot of other key topics and conversations. Today, we're going to cover and smother a lot of that with you. We do have the list that got a lot of attention on our Twitter account of the top 20, top 15, but we'll probably just focus on the top 10 in 1A, 2A, 3A, 4A, and 5A. And who's going to do that with me? No better than Jarrell Hendricks from Moving the Chains. And he'll join me about 12:15 today. We're going to get into that with him. We're going to talk about what he sees. Because, again, those guys, its a three-headed monster in this group. Darrell will join us again. We're excited to get him back in here. But we're going to kind of get an idea of what's going on because there are some teams up there. there. matter of fact, Burns is back on the 5A list again. I haven't seen Burns in a long time. So it's exciting to me to see Burns back up in the conversation. It's like seeing Michigan in it. It's like seeing if Florida State back, we don't know. We'll talk about that when, at 1 o'clock when Reginald Walker Jr., by the way, joins us. He has uh, an amazing show uh, over there on ESPN out of Charlotte. But he joins us. He's part of the team here. He joins us at 1 o'clock. We're going to talk about ACC. Their media days, by the way, were this past weekend. Their quarterback talked about his relationship with the offensive coordinator. Chad Morris is back in house as an analyst, quote, unquote. That's going to be a lot of fun, though. The offensive coordinator and Chad Morris can dial it up and figure it out, and it could be a lot of fun. Now, yes, he's not going to be on the sideline. He's going to be – Chad Morris is going to be looking at the games the following week, so that they can give them an idea of what to work on, coming out of the game that they were just in. That's a very good combination, though. So Riley and him are going to have probably some pretty good success. But I'm just kind of curious, some of the ups and downs and all around the ACC Media Day. Of course, Florida State again. It's year after year. Are they becoming? Are they becoming a team that we're going to always say they're back and they're never back? Have they even left the driveway yet? Have they even gotten in the damn car? I mean, is it one of those guys that, you know, you call somebody like me. If you call me and ask me where I'm at, I'm saying, like, I'm on the way. That probably means I'm getting off the couch. I'm around the corner means I'm leaving the house. <laughs> is that the conversation that Florida State's having right now? Because I, I don't know. But the ACC, how much trouble are they in with conference realignment? You saw Colorado, by the way. Welcome back to the Big 12. And in the last 10 years, they hold the worst record out of all the teams in the Big 12 coming back from the pack. So that one isn't something I'm completely surprised that they came in here. And I do like it because realistically and geographically, it makes sense to me. And I wish that it would out. Even though I get Oklahoma and Texas, they're coming into the SEC. But when do you see. And when does the Big Ten start to cherry-pick some other conferences? Like right now, the ACC probably in the Pac-12 are the hottest two teams that are going to be cherry-picked from. Now that means that you're going to see other teams fall into it. As you saw, the Big 12 adding teams, The big, you know, it's just the way it works. We'll see how that works out. And, again, Reggie is going to talk college football for about 30 minutes. And then at 2 o'clock, at the 2 o'clock hour, we get in with the one and only, one of the best that does it, on any piece of paper and can get you up to date right away. And that's the one and only David Shelton located right here in the low country. Number one, we've got the media day next Sunday. That's going to happen at Cane Bay. So all the local high schools here in the low country together, but we'll definitely break some conversations with these guys. And we're going to kind of figure out, hey, we've got a lot of new coaches. We get a chance to interview some coaches. We're going to try to go live from one to maybe three, interview the coaches, catch a few players, just have to see whether or not the good Lord willing and the creek don't rise and we can get there and everything works out great. We'll do it. If not, we'll take some great notes and we'll come back the following weekend and we'll get you up to date with that. But David's also going to get us caught up on all this stuff because we do have an idea of some things and there's been some moving going on. There's some there's some assistant coaches that are going to make some splashes, I think. I, I mean, I look at Berkeley right now. Berkeley is a very silent conversation in the low country, because they're not, I don't think, in the top 20 in the 5A sports. I don't think they are, but if they aren't, that's okay, too, because it doesn't matter where you start. It matters where you finish. They brought in a new coach from the state of Florida. He brought some of his buddies. He brought in some new guys from some other places. I don't know if he retained anybody, but from what I understand, on their 7-on-7s, and again, it is what it is, but there's a light at the end of the tunnel here for you, Berkeley Stags. He also brought a guy in that I know very well, and if he's still over there with you, and that's Hunter Spivey. Guy can draw up some plays in the dirt better than anybody. And I think he brought a guy with him, too. So you're talking about two offensive geniuses. You got Joey Steele that left Fort Dorchester. He's hanging out at the creek now. He's at Goose Creek, one of the best offensive line coaches I know. Can definitely sign it up and put a young man on that front line and make him good. He's got a couple of guys out there already, one in the league currently. And then Brent Lepratt, the defensive coordinator at Oceanside. Mm. Now, he ran the offense at the Fort for a while, but he is a defensive guy. This, my friends, is going to be interesting. I talked to Brent yesterday, matter of fact, on the phone for a little while, and I love the relationship I have with coaches. You become brothers, you become friends, you become family, and the conversations never get old to me. I love it. It just gives me a chance to have these conversations over and over again. Because these guys honestly have the heart. And if you only knew what it takes to be a head coach, what it takes to be an assistant coach, the amount of time that you put into it, right? All of that makes a difference. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we get the red carpet rolled out. We cut on the other mic. And here comes the one and only Jarrell Hendricks. He is with Moving the Change. He is one of our uh, partners up there in the upstate. As uh, We have partnered up with these guys that do what we do, but they're on the – other side of uh, Columbia. So we'll do that and all much more. You want to call in? You want to join us? Hey, we got room for you. Come on in. 515-602-9675. When we come back, Mr. Darrell and I will go over the top 20 or top 10. Let's go top 10. We'll go top 10, classification, one through five, and we'll try to break it down right here, right after this, guys. Don't go anywhere. More Southern Sports Central on your beautiful Saturday afternoon in South Carolina coming right after this. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Rich Gilman here live on a beautiful Saturday afternoon in South Carolina. Coming to you from the coast with the most here in uh, Charleston, South Carolina. Well, we're a little due west up to I-26 in Somerville and up in the upstate. We got you covered, guys, from the mountains to the seas. And now we are joined by the one and only Jarrell Hendricks with Moving the Chains as uh, he joins us for his second time of many times here in this new high school season. Coming up, uh, Jarrell Good afternoon uh, from the coast. Uh, how's life in the upstate, buddy? Man, everything is great. I hope y'all are doing well down there. Um, hope you're
3: staying cool. It's been hot these last few weeks, um, uh, but I'm doing well, man.
2: Well, we're staying wet. We're trying to stay dry and cool, so it's kind of we're, we're, we're greedy down <laughs> here, man. We want a perfect life, a perfect world, brother. But well, we got this little thing hanging off the coastline, and it just kind of throws a little bit of water to us, and it's kind of uh, it's kind of it's different man because it cools us down enough but all of a sudden it clears up and then it gets twice as hot so it's kind of like we're we're darned if we're doing we're darned if we don't but we're we're making it through here uh, on a Saturday man I always appreciate you getting in here with us and uh, for what you guys continue to do by getting us up to date with all these coaches around the uh the state man I tell you I enjoyed that segment when we did that back in COVID days man because you know we couldn't get on the campuses we did these virtual tours and uh, and really, honestly, right, Jarelli, give you a chance to get to know the guys probably better than it would if you were on the campus because they have so much distraction, right?
3: Yeah, that's right, man. It's it's good to to learn about these coaches. As you guys have seen with us, you know, we've, we've done our new coaches series, uh, been able to do some some in-depth interviews and really had a lot of fun with that, starting to wrap those up. And we're we're getting into some season previews. Um, so we should have that stuff rolling out the next couple weeks. Um you know, I think we talked three weeks ago and, and, and now we're, we are we cut that in half.
2: So three weeks from the first, uh, first games of week zero. Yeah. It's hard to believe, man. We're talking scrimmages happening this coming week, right? I mean, yeah. uh, they're getting acclimated with the helmets on their heads. And I think, I guess three days of a helmet on your head is going to help you in South Carolina. I'm not sure I buy it, but whatever it takes to get to that moment of playing football under the lights on a Friday night or any other night, uh, I'm game for it. But, uh, yeah, we're going to get into that as well, but let's get let's get right into the probably one of the hottest tweets we've put out in months, uh, and, and I'm sure you saw it too when we started kind of going through uh, all the all the classifications, and, and you saw the South Carolina High School uh, Sports Report put out a top 25, uh, probably, yeah, probably top 10, but we're going to hit top we're going to one through 10, and some of these guys are up there with you, some down here with me, so. Uh, let's see when I kind of take a look at it, man. And if you look at the class a, and again, uh, starts off with Bamberg, Earhart, Louisville, Christ church cross, which is down here in the course in Charleston area. Uh, you got St. Joseph Southside Christian. That's a hot button. Boy, if that doesn't have an asterisk by it, by a lot of head coaches, uh, Lakeview <laughs> at number seven, number eight, Lamar, number nine, Baptist Hill and number 10, Wagner, Sally, now Johnsonville, Lamar, and Well Branch just outside the top ten. But when you look at this top ten list, Jarrell, you you see a lot of competition. And 1A football is is kind of the old school football because everybody's got to play, man. Some guys are playing all three sides of the game, special teams, offense, defense. I mean, these cats are exhausted when they go home on a Friday night, win, lose, or draw. But when you look at this top ten, what team kind of stands out with you on this?
3: Oh, well, I, I, of course you've got you to look at number three, and like you said, it's kind of a hot-button topic. You look at Christchurch, and you've got to see what, what they're going to do. They bring back the Sean Reeder, uh, the running back. They're kind of blessed in a sense uh, to where they don't have as, much two-way, have as many two-way players uh, just because they're able to, to attract more talent with, with being in a more populous area. Uh, but another team that I really look at is, is Louisville. Uh, they're a team, you know, they actually played Christchurch in the third round. They were really, really young. They have one of the best quarterbacks in the state and Ian Grissom. I think he's going to be a rising junior this year. Uh, but they have a lot of guys. Uh, we talked to their coach, Coach Boulware, at the the Coaches Association um, last week at that convention. And, uh, you know, when I asked him about his quarterback and we asked him about his team, he just lit up. He was smiling. He was excited. They bring back 19 of 21. 21- uh, 22 starters, excuse me. Uh, but that's a team that I look at. They they learned a lot in that playoff game. Uh, Christchurch kind of smacked them around a little bit, uh, but Christchurch loses a lot. They kind of grow up. Uh, but those are the two that I really look at uh, in 1A football. Um, Bamberg has, has a really talented team, but, but I'm really looking at Lewisville and seeing what they can do
2: should be a lot of fun. Again, there's a lot of teams on the outside. And we'll, we'll stay with Christchurch real quick. I know that there were some coaches that really voiced their opinions about Christchurch and the dynamics that they have. Uh, and you're seeing this more and more. I mean, they're not the only school that is a quote-unquote charter school. And you're seeing schools apply for that charter alignment, that opportunity. Uh, Jarrell, well, what that means, and for a lot of it, it means basically that they can get whoever they need to get within the county. That doesn't mean they can go statewide. doesn't mean they can go to the next countywide. It means within the county, if I'm not mistaken. Again, uh, and that's up there by you guys, if I'm not mistaken. Is that kind of the same rule for yep. Christchurch? They just have to stay within their own county. Well, that's the thing. You have these three: you have Christchurch, St. Joe's, and, and Southside Christian. They're
3: actually privates. Um, so if they were located anywhere in this else in the state, they would probably be playing skeeza ball, um, something along those lines. But because in the upstate we really don't have a lot of private schools, they actually play that – excuse me, they pay to play in the high school league. Um, So it's kind of an awkward situation, a little bit different from the charter schools, Um, but because they're private, they don't really – you know, if they were playing in Skeezer, they'd probably be driving to Columbia for some of their closest matchups. Uh, But I think it's a situation where they can kind of attract talent from all over the upstate. Um, you know, if you're willing to pay for your child to go to that school. So it's just a little bit different situation where they're private schools playing in the
2: high school league. That is interesting. And then, again, for them to pay to play, they're in the league. They, they follow the rules. You know, so I understand. I remember, matter of fact, uh, I believe
4: it was Johnsonville's
2: coach. He was pretty upset uh, a couple of years ago after uh, losing a state championship. I'm sure he had uh, to sit down in a few different principal's offices. But I, I understand they are legit complaints. Uh, but then, again, uh, we'll talk about more about this uh, after we go through the rest of the classifications as we now look at QA football here in the great state of South Carolina. Great collegiate. Now, Great wasn't in the state championship last year, right? I don't even know if they made it too deep in. Coach Holmes is ready. I know he's ready. Uh, they've got a beautiful football field now. The facilities are there. They've got some dogs or, or, or they, they've got some cats over there that can play. Uh, but they are marked at number one. So, they got great collegiate number one, Abbeyville. by the way, state champions from last year, Oceanside, runners-up at number three, Marion, Hampton County, Woodland, and uh, you got Fairfoot Central, Silver Bluff, Andrew Jackson, and Strom Thurmond rounding out the top ten. Now, for me, it's kind of different, and this is where I struggle to – it's hard for me to even try to understand or even justify how you don't put the remain the the reigning state champion at least week one week zero I don't like yeah. that term but week zero <laughs> at the retaining I mean haven't you wouldn't you say Abbeville earned the right to be the, the to lead the way here after doing what they did last year? Yeah, for sure.
3: Like we're gonna put out a poll a little bit later, um,
2: you know. But if we were to put out a preseason poll, I would
3: definitely agree with that logic to put Abbeville number one. But I also understand why they have done this. Abbeville lost a lot of talent in that backfield from that state championship team. Uh, but it's also Abbeville and they're just going to roll in more talent because that's what they do. I mean, they are one of the most consistent 2 A programs, one of the most consistent programs in the state. I would put them at number one just because even though they lost a lot, <laughs> you know that they're going to be one of the best coach teams and they're going to be one of the most talented teams. Uh, Great collegiate, it's kind of hard to go against them. They're going to be starting a new quarterback this year. Their season did not go the way that they expected with Coach Holmes last year. Uh, after winning that state championship two years ago, uh, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. I've got my eyes on some some teams that are a little bit lower. Marion is loaded with talent. Uh, you've got Hampton County, which is a new high school where you had Wade Hampton and Estill combined. Um, Estill was a nine one team in the regular season last year. Wade Hampton was a great team last year, so you see them combined. Um, and then also, you know, Strom Thurmond and Andrew Jackson, they're just silver bluff. They've retooled, uh, so they're going to be a really good team as well. There's some great teams in this top ten, uh, but I agree with you. I'd have that at the top.
2: Yeah, you, you know, you look at Oceanside, which I, I mentioned in the intro, I don't know if you had gotten a chance to get in here early, but Brent LaPrade, who, of course, uh, comes from Fort Dorchester, coach LaPrade, Steve LaPrade, a uh, son who ran the defense for so many years for the Patriots, even during their state championship run, and then moved over to offense and had a great amount of success. But he was, you know, decided to take another opportunity with uh, you know dad stepping down and going to the district office. He says, well, I'm not done coaching. Let me try something different. So he did that. He goes <laughs> across the Blue Bridge to Oceanside, where he'll now be running that defense. And i got to tell you something. The only concern I have at Oceanside is that they don't have Blue anymore. And he's probably got one yeah. of the coolest last names that everybody gets to tag and drag and have fun with. Who That young man is going to do amazing things at Liberty. But who's going to run the ball for him? Edward, their quarterback, is a really good kid. I think he's got the size. He's a big guy, matter of fact. He's pretty big uh, in statue. But he seems to have grown throughout the year. You watched him in the state championship, making a few things. But, again, that's a big stage, and it's a lot of eyes on you. And when you're coming from – a that side of uh, the world, it's a little different. And again, you're going against Abbeyville. I mean, they got like uh, the Fountain of Youth over there and, or something like that in <laughs> Abbeyville. So for me, I like I like to see what, what, what's going to happen. What's going to happen at Oceanside is they've moved some things around. And again, with Brentland Pratt running the defense, they have got the offensive coordinator who's left and I think he's taking the, the new job that's going to be opening up similar format in school up in Myrtle Beach. At that school with Coach Rivens, who has been a part of that for a long time. And then, of course, they've got some other guys that they've moved around. But that one is a big one. But I like what you compared there and the schools that are now starting to combine. But for me, for some reason, Jarrell, when they start to to combine schools, they're good over here and they're good over there. But for some reason, when they get them together, it's like putting the Hackfield and McCoy's together. They don't play well together. <laughs> and that, for me, it's yeah. always been the question. I mean, how come they can't be a powerhouse when they were pretty good when they were separate, how can they be even better together?
3: Yeah, that's a valid point. We'll we'll see what happens. You'll see how that experiment goes because uh, the, the coach at Estill, you know, they they offered him the associate head coach a job, and he actually went to Edisto. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. And they're they're going to be playing in the same region. Uh, but I do like what you said about Oceanside. They do lose Vaughn Blue. Uh, they also lose Monroe Freeling. I think he went to Georgia. Yep. Uh, but they got a lot, like you said, yep. they got a lot of talent coming back. Riding grows up another year. That's um, a quarterback there. Ben Britton, the big, big lineman there. He's big time. He'll be one of the best linemen in the state. And those additions to the defense should really help them. And then this is going to be Coach Wilt's second year there, so uh, be able to set the tone.
2: Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. Now, the team I'm watching for outside the top ten is Saluda. Now, Saluda, for whatever it is, man, those Tigers figure it out, man. It's that, it's that scheme. It's that thing. It's that small-town USA I got my eyes on Saluda as the Cinderella story, even though it it would be like putting Abbeville Cinderella story or or even like a Dillon, but nevertheless, Saluda is outside the top ten, and I can promise you that pole is sitting somewhere in a locker across the back wall, and everybody sees it. So uh, we'll look at that one. Now let's go into the 3A. Now this one's a lot of fun, too. We mentioned Dylan, by the way, the Wildcats. I grew up playing against those guys when they were 4A. They had a guy named Stan the Man, one of the best running backs, honestly, to come out of our state. Uh, didn't go to the next level for a couple of reasons, but didn't matter. I mean, it, that doesn't take away that he was one of the best running backs the state's ever seen, period. Uh, and, and some people yeah. saw him a lot closer than they wanted to. Uh, but Dylan is at number one. Daniel, up there with you guys, are at number two. Chester up that way, number three. Number four, Clinton. You got Camden, uh, the Bulldogs, at number five. Gilbert at number six. Buford, the state <laughs> champions, again. Yeah. I, I, well, I say? No respect. Uh, no respect. There. They're sitting at number seven. Number eight is Manning. Number tied for number eight. Right? you've got two number eights here. Is Tevin. Yeah. And number nine would be Belton Honey Pass. uh, So and number ten would be Seneca. So you kind of it's kind of weird to have a tie there, but nevertheless, uh, you like that one. And I guess uh, you know if you're if you're Buford again, more motivation, man. Hey, look, not only are we number one, two, three, four, five, six, we're down there at number seven and they just want to stay champion. What's your thoughts on the top ten in the 3A?
0: Yeah,
3: that's obviously, obviously what stands out. You know, Buford down at seven, I don't I don't understand that. I mean, you know, they, they lost their talented running backs to Casey Fields, and I cannot remember the other kid's name to save my life. They did not throw a pass in the state championship with Coach Librand, um, in beating Powdersville 41-31 last year. Uh, but you can't put those guys at seven. They're, they're going to be retooled, uh, <laughs> and I think mean, this is a team that played for the state championship in 4A two years ago, won the state championship in 3A. Don't understand that. Dylan, that's cool. You put Dylan up there because you know they're going to be fantastic, but they lost to Buford in the playoffs to go to the state championship. Um, Daniel loses a, a, a lot of talent on the offensive side. Um, again, that, I think that's more name recognition. I'm interested to see what Daniel – I think they got to re, redo their entire receiver core. And their quarterback position, um, Clinton's the same way. They lose their backfield, but but they should be a very good team. Uh, but Buford down at seven, that really stands out. Sleeper pick, if you if you want to say anything, BHP at nine or ten, uh, that's going to be one to watch. They're going to be in the region with Powderville. I think they're going to be able to knock off Powderville. They have one of the most dynamic running backs in the state. Remember this name, Marquise Henderson. That kid's electric. Hmm.
2: I'm going to go right outside the top ten. This team is hungry. By the way, I think they're going to continue to find their way in another classification, and that is uh, Philip Simmons. I, I think Philip Simmons is the team. Uh, they're on the other side of the bridge over there towards uh, Mount Pleasant, but Phillip Simmons is a team who continues to find a way to do what needs to be done. They quietly kind of hang around, but they easily – Uh, They're getting bigger day after day. It's like watching homes being built in Charleston. I mean, it's every day there's (laughs) a new neighborhood popping up, and you're seeing new kids walking in hallways over that side of the road. And uh, Phillip Simmons is a team to watch out for. And, of course, what's up with Ainer? You know, Ainer a few years ago was was really arguing to, to fight for a state championship. Can uh, those guys in Horry County, can they find a way uh, to get it done? They've got a new field, if I'm not mistaken. So things are happening on that side of the world. Uh, the turf is, is definitely taken over. We'll talk about that before we get you out of here, too. But, uh, nevertheless, that's the 3A classification. Now. It's up a little tougher here. This one's going to be a good one. 4A, where there is a lot of talent from the coast of South Carolina to the mountains of Clemson. And I tell you, every spot in between. As uh, you look at number one, Northwestern, I understand This coach is really good. He's actually spent a lot of time down here from the South Carolina, from the low country area. But he has reloaded in that Rock Hill area. He's sitting at number one. Number two, a good guy, big fan of him. Coach up there, Coach Porter, Greenville number two. AC Floor number three. South Point number four. Westside hanging out at number five. James Island, the Trojans over here on the coast uh, looking at number six. Number seven, Hartsville out of Horry County. Or excuse me, out of Florence County. Irmo at number eight. Here we go. Another state champion. No respect. Number nine, South Florence. <laughs> and Greenwood sitting at number 10. Your thoughts of the top ten and who's your sleeper on the inside or outside of ten? Uh, I, I
3: like this top ten for the most part. You know, Northwestern, they made the state championship last year. Um, Finley Polk, their quarterback, does a great job. They've got one of the best running backs in Turbo Richard. Um, so they'll be be—they'll be great on the offensive side. They do lose Elijah Caldwell, um, who goes to South Carolina, the wide receiver. Um, Greenville, just loaded with talent. It's more so they've got the coach, they've got the players. Can, Greenville, can they get over the hump? That's thats consistently the issue with them in the playoffs is just making it to the state final. Uh, but they've got Nazio Bennett, Bryson Drummond, should be a great team. AC Flora, you know, they're going to have to figure out how to, how to replace the production of Markel Townsend. Uh, we'll see how they do as well. South Point, they should be one of the most talented teams. Uh, but can they put it together? They kind of fell apart early in the year uh, and, and surged late. So we'll see what they can do. South Flora is down at nine. I don't understand. You lose the worst I, I, I get that, uh, but they are, they're very good defensively, and they add a key piece in Amari Adams, the big defensive tackle. He's going to be a junior transferring from Lake City. Don't know how you have them that far down. Um, and we talked about this before. James Island is one of my favorite teams. Coach McCoy is building a program on the island there. Um, but if I had to pick a sleeper, um, watch Catawba Ridge. Catawba Ridge – and I would say West Florence. I think they're, they're a little low. Uh, Catawba was a, a very talented team. They competed in that region uh, up in that Rockville area. They had a fantastic season, went down to the wire with Greenville, I think, in the third round of the playoffs. And then West Florence, love Coach Generette, um and what they do there. They have a big-time player in Kelvin Hunter, but
2: I would watch 14 and 15. Yeah, I like your pick in fifteen. I think West Florence is a team, and this coach had a chance to go to Conway. He had a couple of other opportunities. If I'm not mistaken, he played at Conway, but I know he's got some ties there. Yeah. Uh, he turned it down, stayed there. Must have saw something there. And again, I've played against uh, West Florence, home of course uh, of a guy who was a big baseball guy. Trip Kelly played in that that side of the world, uh, but. I can tell you West Lawrence is going to reload. They're going to do what they do, and that is find ways to get better. And I think that's happening. Their strength and conditioning program, by the way, very impressive, as we've had a chance to see some of their weight rooms uh, in the past few years and things like that. So it starts, the course, in the classroom, the weight room, and then we see it on the football field. Uh, other than that, again, I, I've got another team in the country that I'm just – I'm curious, by the way, I think next time realignment happens, I think Lucy Beckham is going to be a team that you can easily yeah. see – finding their way in 5A football. Lucy Beckham, again, over in Mount, Mount Pleasant side of the world, um, but I think, number one, they've got a coach who is could have been a head coach a long time ago, probably should have been a head coach a long time ago. Uh, I believe his birthday was yesterday, so Coach, happy birthday to you, but I think you'll wait and see what's happening here with this team. They're going to find a way. They've got them all the way down to 19, but to me, i I got to be honest with you, and I'm excited about 5A football as well, but this may be the most exciting year in 4A football that we've covered in a long, long time. I almost reminds you, if you look at 4A and you look at 5A, back in my day playing in high school sports here in South Carolina, we had the Sweet 16. So you had almost two different classifications in 4A football, yeah. basically is what you have here. And to me, this is about as close as it gets, because I'm telling you, Friday night lights between us, It's going to be electric and lit and all the other phrases that these young kids use because every Friday night you are either going to make your way into the playoffs or find your way outside of the playoffs. And every game in 4A football, to me in a lot of these schedules, especially this top 20, everybody, every game is a playoff game. And if they don't treat it that way, they'll be watching it with us come playoff time. Yeah, I I have to agree with you, man. Just looking over this list again, I mean, I
3: see like 15 legitimate like state title contenders, and I'm not saying that like in passing. I didn't talk about Westside. They've got one of the the best like pass-catching duos and quarterbacks and Cutter Woods. Irma, you know, with A.J. Brand there, they can swing the rock. Greenwood's always going to be good. Myrtle Beach is always going to be good. South Aiken, probably has the most dynamic backfield in the state with Terrence Smith and Javon Edwards. Like you said, Coach Smith and Lucy Beckham, those guys play some hard those defense. And, uh, man, this is just going to be a lot of
2: fun. It's going to be a slugfest of 4A for sure. It is. And by the way, Coach Terry, former coach at Conway, is now on the staff over at Myrtle Beach. I mean, uh, you're talking about putting some talent and time and putting some guys who can do do it well. Because I can tell you, Coach Mickey over there played his ball at Conway, went to his hometown picked up a coach that also coached and played at Conway, and it's about a a, 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 uh, a a takeover from Conway to Myrtle Beach, which if anybody knows Myrtle Beach and Conway, or talk about Hatfield and McCoys, they are a huge rival uh, <laughs> up there in the Grand Strand. But uh, this, I'm telling you what, Coach Mickey's going to probably have these guys reset. And, again, to find that quarterback, because he's had so many quarterbacks. Think about it. For the last ten years, he's had three pretty outstanding quarterbacks, one that went to Notre Dame, one that went to South Carolina, no, yeah, on South Carolina, and then the other one's at App State. Yeah. So he's got guys. it's just finding that guy that fits that spot, whether the Seahawks can find their way back to winning and talking about, state championships and not talking about just making the playoffs. So we'll look at that. Now, 5A, oh, boy, here we go. As we look into the, the big boy <laughs> league, as a lot of people like to call this, this is the power five, if you will, Dutch Ford, <laughs> the Foxes. It starts with them, period. I, I don't care whether he's. Yeah. Rebuilding, reloading, he is real, okay? I can tell you that. As, uh, Coach Knox, I heard an interview with him yesterday. Always impressive. My question is, who's going to be the quarterback? I think that's probably on everybody's mind other than his, because I'm sure he knows. But I can tell you what, one kid they interviewed yesterday, and I thought it was one of the greatest interviews. I think he's an offensive lineman, maybe the center. And he said, you know, it's funny because everybody looks at us as losing guys, but they don't realize that the guys behind them are in the weight room with them and working out just as hard as them and just waiting on our chance to play. And I thought to myself, young man, that, my friend, may be the best interview I've heard uh, a high school kid say in a statement that couldn't be more true. And that's what they do because now, and here it is, low country, lower state, I hate to be that guy on Bad News on a Saturday afternoon, but guess who you got to go through to get to the state championship? And that is probably going to be Dutch Ford. They're in that hybrid region where last year the upstate, this year the lower state. So they will lead the way at number one. Number two, right down the street from the studio, Somerville, where I spent about 14 years being the radio guy, the TV guy down there, for Coach McKissick and, of course, Coach Call. Uh, They are number two. Uh, Mr. Yannick Smith, the wide receiver, might be one of the best wide receivers in the state, got his opportunity and took it and will be uh, attending everything happening right. We'll be at East Carolina as he committed yesterday. Uh, Congratulations, Yannick on that. But uh, the, the green wave, are they back? Are they surging back to a state championship in their old days? Number three, Gaffney. Ooh boy. Another powerhouse team. The fort with a brand new coach. Coach Josh Smith takes over the Patriots. They got a brand new football field. It's a turf field. Looks great. Will they look great on the field on Friday night? We'll see. We'll see what they can do. I talked to Coach Smith last week as they were getting ready for coaches' meetings up in Greenville with you guys. And I got to tell you, the guy's poised. He played his football days at, at Clemson. He knows football. He is a very smart man at the offense. He understands the defense. And I can promise you he's surrounded himself with some good guys. So, we got Ford at number four, Burns. Burns back in the conversation at number five. Number six, Lexington. Spartanburg, number seven. Number eight. The Gamecocks of Sumter, number nine, Hillcrest at number 10, T.L. Hannah rounds out the top 10. Kind of the same thing here, brother. If you look at the top 20, I bet you what? You could probably go all the way down to at least number 14, maybe maybe have a conversation at 15, but definitely top 13, 14 for at least making a deep run into the playoffs. Most definitely, yeah. But, but
3: like you said, that's Fork, You got to start. It starts, starts and ends there. That is the contender uh, that is a well-oiled machine. That's awesome. i, I got to go find that interview with that offensive lineman. That's what they do. They just continue to, to cycle in these great players. It does not matter um, who's, behind, who's under center. They're going to be a great team on both sides of the ball under Coach Knott. They're one of the greatest to ever do it. Um, yeah, low country, I'll let you handle that, man. Somerville, like you said, Yannick Smith. One of the best receivers in the state. We'll we'll see what they can do. They they caught fire, especially at the end of last season. They were so good. They were rolling. Four D. What, what what's going to happen there um, with the new coach? See how they respond to that adversity in the off season and, and move forward. Um, I know there's just a collective re- sigh of relief from the coaches in the state told that Dutch Force could be going to the lower state most likely. me, um, <laughs> you know, another program. They just continue to retool. They've got a new quarterback in Riley State. He actually transferred from Gray Collegiate. Well, so we'll see what he's able to do. Burns, uber talented. Lexington, they got the new coach. Um, coach Curtis coming from Dorman. They had a really good season last year under Coach Bright, So how will they do next year? Sumter's going to be hard-nosed defensively. Hillcrest got Bennett Swiger, offensive coordinator from, from SC State. is going to be leading that program now. How are they going to respond? I think they got a quarterback transfer from Easley and Caleb Sutton. He's a great young player. Uh, but just so many great teams um, here. If I got a sleeper, uh, I, I, I really – there's just so many teams here. I like White Knoll. That's a sleeper team. They're, they're going to be very, very good defensively. Um, they've got Kimball and Banks, a great linebacker duo. Those guys play both ways, a little bit on of offense as well. Watch White Knoll. They play, they play good. Those teams in the upstate – they're probably going to be the two seed in that region, so they go to the Upstate. So watch out for White Knoll.
2: My team not even smelling the top twenty. I don't even know if he's got him in the top twenty five. And that is <laughs> the Stags of Berkeley. They went and found this guy, and Uh-oh. I'm going to tell you something. He came all the way down from Florida, right where they play it and they play it well. They play it big and they play it fast and they air it out. They run it out. I mean, you figure it out. They get there. And I think you're going to watch and see the Stags could come marching in. They won a seven oh seven. They won a seven oh seven drill over at the Citadel a couple of weeks back where they just really were a well-oiled machine. I mentioned a couple of guys. They've got an offensive coordinator. He brought in with them from, of course, uh, Florida. But he also was smart. He, he did his homework. He found a guy locally that is understanding because whether you like it or not, the kids in the upstate are different than the kids in the state. So you know they're different from South Carolina to Florida. So you needed to get a guy who understood some of the guys here. And he did that with Hunter Spivey. Hunter Spivey, another guy. So, you can get two guys. It's kind of like Clemson just went and got brought Chad Morris back. And, of course, you already know the offensive coordinator they got there was, of the course, uh, that guy. So, it's kind of the same thing over at Berkeley right now. They're not happy about not being the top 25. But, again, it gives you locker room material. And I think you'll see the Stags. And we'll know early because I can tell you something. The region, I don't know if the region, drill is very tough. It wasn't very impressive last year. Uh, some teams kind of found their way into the top one or two. I even talked to the Goose Creek coach, Coach uh, Linstead, and he said, man, look, dude, we just, we just had to play it and somehow we won the region. You know, he, I don't think he thought he was going to win the region. If they did, he expects it. But, again, you know, he, he mentioned that. He said, look, we just weren't that good last year, hopefully this year. Uh, but I can tell you, they gave him a run. Wanda was there, but I think you're going to see a little different this year because you've got some new coaches, new faces and places, so we'll see. And I like Coach Swagger. By the way, just to kind of a a footnote, next time you talk to Coach Swagger, he played his high school football right here in Somerville. Uh, He was uh, a big-time quarterback down here in Somerville, so uh, he's part of that Coach McKissick tree, if you will. So that's kind of neat to see him go from South Carolina State. Played his ball at Newberry. I think he coached at Newberry as well. But to see him land up there, we were hoping to keep him down here for us, but (laughs) <laughs> We're not greedy. We You guys have a good one up there, but he's he's a good catch, man. I tell you, he's going to be a good guy. But again, this is another you got to win weekend after weekend, right? I mean, there's just such a huge almost like college football right now. Every game is a playoff game because you're either playing in or playing out in five A football. Again, I'm not saying four, three, two, and one in big boy football, but it's a different type of Friday nights. And now, Jarrell, you've been in many stadiums. Does it kind of make? What is your thought from five to four to three, and all the way down to one? Oh, I mean,
3: it's, it's like you said, it, it's really going to be competitive um, all the way through every classification. Uh, I, don't, I can't believe I omitted Berkeley and Coach Lodge there. I've been thinking about that the last three minutes since you said it. I haven't been thinking about anything else because he's, he's very impressive. We were able to talk to him about a month ago on our show. And, uh, you know, he comes from Florida. We were able to get him from Florida, come to South Carolina. He won an 8A state title in the state of Florida, and he's coming to coach the Berkeley Stags you know, just a heck of a coup to get him here. And he's going to completely turn around that program. Uh, They're going to be contenders, probably immediately, like you said, that region is a little bit down. Uh, I think Goose Creek didn't win a a non-region game and actually won that region championship last year. So it's going to be fun to watch. Uh, But going back to your original question, it's just going to be competitive throughout. Um, You know, there's going to be 12 to 15 teams in each classification that you know you're going to have comers and goers and you're going to have maybe those those three or four that remain at the top the entire season uh but it's going to be uber competitive across all classifications and i'm just excited for it to get started in week zero Hanging out with our buddy from Moving the Chains, of course,
2: Jarrell Hendricks joins us here again on Southern Sports Central as we cover and smother the state from the lower state to the upper state here on a beautiful Saturday. And I say beautiful, it is raining, by the way. I I heard something banging outside the window, and I looked out the studio, and I said, oh, it's raining cats and dogs. So here we go on a wet Saturday now in South Carolina, typical summertime here in uh, the coast. But that being said, one thing that wasn't raining, of course, that was uh, on the heads of those coaches. You guys had all the coaches. I mean, high school coaches from football, basketball, baseball, if they coach it in the state of South Carolina, man, they drowned the whole city of Greensville. I know you, did you guys get a chance to go over there? I know Sunday was a day, I think, that I heard that maybe a couple of you guys were able to see, or uh, what did you guys get, any feedback from the coaches association meetings that happened uh, last Sunday through, I think, what, Wednesday?
3: Yeah, we were able to go um, hang out at the convention center up here in Greenville on uh, Sunday for a few hours, and uh, more so, we we got to meet some of the great vendors in this state um, that supply um, these teams, you know, with miscellaneous products, and then we also got the the opportunity to to hang out with a few high school coaches uh, and just kind of get their feedback, do some networking, pick their brains, kind of help us out, you know, just... To see where where they are heading into to the event. It was a fantastic event um, from what I saw, very well put together. We appreciate them allowing us to come out there and hang out for a little bit. And like you said, coaches from the entire you know every corner of the state descended upon Greenville. Um, it was fantastic. Able to see the the cool thing about it too, especially when we went with all the the high school football coaches, is to see the staffs, the entire staffs from both the University of South Carolina, Clemson University. Um, there's a presentation um, from Coach Clay Hendricks from Furman. Um, just to see those guys pour back into our coaches through those seminars. I know they appreciate it. I love their presence. Uh, you know, there's been like this stigma a- across the recruiting circles, you know, that South Carolina is not producing the talent in-, in our schools, in our universities, our D- Division one universities, taking the opportunity to come into these, these these schools, or excuse me, to this conference and talk to the coaches, pour into them, continue to build those relationships so that those kids can go to those schools and be visible. Um, it was really awesome to see.
2: Yeah, it's always fun to get those guys. And they move that thing around. I know uh, sometimes it's down here in Charleston. Sometimes it's up there with you guys in Greenville. Uh, and, and now, of course, we'll uh, we'll get the football version of that in February in Myrtle Beach. Maybe all four of us or six of us or 12. I don't know. We get a bunch of us. We're going to make that a weekend. Uh, you know, we're we'll bring our bring our women with us and head out to the to the Grand Strand that week, and that'd be a good way for us <laughs> to right. get away, but still be a little bit of work. <laughs> so yesterday, big day in high school sports. South Carolina opens the door and brings out the helmets as uh, the two days begin yesterday. Uh, I'm kind of curious. if Anybody kicked off at midnight? I would have if, if I was a head coach at 12 o'clock. I'm throwing down some cool tunes and we're running out of this thing and smoking. We're just setting the tone early. And by twelve oh five, we're in full pa- we're in full strength, of course. Now, in the Upstate, I know you guys do a lot of big things up there as well. What was your overall thoughts of yesterday as you started to see some of these guys really start to kind of take on? Now, here we go; the campaign is on for winning a state championship. Yeah, we had
3: a plethora yeah. practice times were all over the place yesterday. We did not have anybody kick off at like midnight, you know, Thursday into Friday. Uh, but I was able, you know, I live in the Clemson area. I was able – I rode up to Wahala uh, to go watch the Razorbacks. They had two practices yesterday. They did a Fan Fest at 7. They had a practice at 8. And then they had another practice from midnight to 1. So, I went to that midnight practice. It was cool to see. It was a defensive practice. Uh, They were doing some install stuff. Was able to catch up with their first-year head coach, Chris Stone. Um, See those facilities, man. It's nestled up here in the northwest corner of the state. Uh, but it was cool to see them get kicked off. Go touch some grass. Go watch some football. You know they're just in helmets, so they're not doing too much. Kind of just flying around, um, staying up and, and staying safe. Uh, but it was cool to see that. But yeah, awesome to just see everything kick off. Had skis a kickoff on Wednesday. High school league kicking off. You know yesterday, and uh, you know everybody's everybody's O and O right now. Everybody's feeling good about themselves. Haven't played any games. Uh, but it's crazy to see. We'll be start like you said, starting scrimmages next week, starting jamborees, and we'll be in the season before we know it.
2: You know, the one thing is we're wrapping it up here with Jerrell Hendricks. He is with moving the chains. These guys do a phenomenal job. We're going to let him plug himself and his team here in just a few before we get him out. But uh, you know, the hottest topic is going to be, and it probably was up there, is, is trying to figure out how do we take these private schools and these charter schools and make it an even playing field. I think that's always going to be a topic on our show. I'm sure there's times that you guys break it out, but again, until it is a conversation that's fixed with you hear the words of legislation, you start getting into government, things like that. I don't really like mixing in the politics and and athletics. That's when we kind of go there to check out of all the stuff outside of the stadiums and the football and baseball and basketball courts. That's why you like the sports because it just makes everybody on the same playing field. But the reality thing is, Darrell, that we've got to figure this thing out because, again, I would ask the question, if you could ask Coach Holmes, if you could ask the coach at Oceanside, if you could ask some of these coaches, hey, look, we get it, you're in 2A, would you like to go to 4A? I'm pretty sure these guys, I don't think they would, I don't think they would buck. I, I think a lot of these guys would go. I think they wouldn't have a problem with it. What is your thoughts on, what is your answer? You're the commissioner for the next three minutes, Terrell. Congratulations. You get the responsibility of making big decisions. And everybody's going to just like you, by the way. That being said, how do you handle this situation with public schools versus private slash charter schools?
3: Yeah, I don't want to speak for those coaches, but I do know those guys in, in the relationships that we've built over the years, you know, they're competitors. And I don't think they'll have an issue with whatever plan is set forth. You know, they're going to have their teams prepared. I mean, these are these are coaches. You just look at those charters at Oceanside and Gray Collegiate. I mean, you had Coach Wilson at Oceanside. They played for the state championship last year, won the lower state title. And then Coach Holmes and Gray, they won the state championship two years ago. So I don't think these guys are afraid of competition. Um, it's going to most likely take some sort of legislation to, to happen, unfortunately. And I'm, I'm like you, don't want to get politicians involved. And, you know, you just want to make sure there's a, a solution that's fair for everyone that's there. And, and right now the charters and the privates are operating within the rules that are set forward. Um, we talked about this last time. You're going to see some, some situations in 2A football um, in that region three, um, excuse me, region one. And you, you're going to see if they're actually going to play those games against great collegiate. You know, you look at their schedules. Now with those teams, they got TB, TBD or TBA when the, the gray game is scheduled for region play. So you got to see if they're actually going to play those games. Um, I don't know. I don't know what the proper solution is. Uh, because, I'm just not – we'll put it this way. I'm not smart enough to make that decision. Uh, So I I, I really don't know what you do. I have seen in other states where they do a multiplier, whether it be one and a half, two times, something like that. Uh, But I do know from the relationships that I have, you know, with Coach Holmes especially, they're not shying away from any sort of competition, and they are going to put the best product
2: out on the field. Yeah, no doubt about that. And you're going to see – a lot of conversation. It's going to be this way until they figure it out. And I hope they figure it out. Again, I don't, I don't like that they need their own league. I don't think we need to go that far. Uh, I do think that, that okay, well, let's, let's look at what we can do. Let's proactive, not reactive. Let's not talk about the negative. Let's talk about the positive. Because these kids, look, at the end of the day, and I see people even on our Twitter, y'all probably hear it and see it, they go after some of the kids, and that's the part I kind of step sure. down and say, look, okay, here you go. I, became, I become Coach Gundy. I'm a man. I'm 40. Come at me, all right? I'm actually 45, but either way, don't attack the kids. The schedule's the schedule. They have to play the schedule. They don't get to pick and choose their schedule, but they do have to play the games on it. And so a lot of times these teams don't even see competition until the third, maybe second or third week of the playoffs. It's not their fault. They just are given the card, they deal with them, and they handle them. So, again, a table conversation, an ongoing conversation. I'm sure as we continue to get coaches in here and, Certain coaches will voice their opinions, and we'll sit back and listen. But, uh, again, Jarrell, man you're, you're, hey, man, you're a pro at this stuff. I enjoy having you on. I, of course, I talked to your <laughs> boy Dave and said, man, I know you're out of town, but I got to get one of your guys, man. And he said, well, Jarrell's good. And I said, "Wait, hey. all right, man, he's going to say, man. I'm going to make him a permanent picture over here if you don't put, sending him to me. <laughs> I just appreciate you, man. You got a great personality. You got a great head on your shoulders. You're doing it the right way. Your guys are doing it for the right reasons. And I can I can dig that I can support that and I'll definitely um, get behind you guys 100% as we look forward to working together even closer as each week gets closer to the kickoff.
3: I appreciate that. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say a pro. You know, we're 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 still working we're a work in progress with our show. Uh, but our our highlight, you know, our mission statement, so to speak, is is to to prop up these kids to to give them a, a spotlight to to allow them to shine. You know, this is the new age of media, you know, stuff that we're doing, the stuff that you do. uh, You know, some of that traditional stuff is starting to die out, and it's at the expense of the kids. And we just want to make sure that they are able to, you know, get the exposure so that they can go play football at the next level. Or, you know, even if it is, they just play at the high school level, get that shine while they they can. They put a lot of work in. Football, even at the high school level, is a year-long thing. And uh, these guys work really, really hard at their craft, They work hard for their teams. Um, It's a brotherhood. We all like it. We all love to follow it. Uh, Love following the players, and we want to make sure that we're making – excuse me, we want to make sure that they they have the proper attention um, and that we're able to showcase their talents.
2: It should be a good one. We'll have a lot of fun, man. We're going to get this state covered up between you guys and us, man. I feel good about this. kids getting their exposure, getting their shine, and, and of course, uh, helping them out any way we can, man. Before we get you out of here, brother, how do we find you? What's going on with you guys at Moving the Chains? And give us some handles to follow as uh, we need to get ready to go for the week. We are on all socials, including Threads. Uh, but the
3: biggest ones, obviously, most traffic we see on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, especially. Follow us at MoveinChains Chains. That's M-O-V-I-N-C-H-A-I-N-S. No G on that. Moving Chains um, on all socials. You can also check out our website www uh, We have a lot of stuff coming out. Like I said earlier in this interview, uh, we're wrapping up our new coaches series. We've got a couple more that we're trying to trying to get on some some big fish that we're trying to reel in to get to the bank. Uh, that new coaches series has been a lot of fun that we've done throughout the off season. We're also going to start the season previews. I think we've got one coming out next week uh, with lower Wrenchland coach, coach uh, coach Taylor there to see how they're going to be doing this year. Got a bunch scheduled to record this week. Uh, so we just got all kinds of stuff. We'll be getting our previews done uh, just so much in the works. Me, Kevin and John are working really hard to, to put out the most content uh, covering high school football in the state of South Carolina.
2: Well, brother, for everything that you do, we greatly appreciate you. We're here for you guys. We look forward to catching up again. And until next time, buddy, uh, stay cool if that's a thing. Stay dry, of course, if it's raining. Until then, we'll chat with you later. Thanks for your time today, and we look forward to doing it again soon, buddy. Thanks, Richie, man. You guys are doing a
3: fantastic job as well. Love keeping up with your stuff. Uh, You guys are are absolutely killing it. So glad that you're able to to do this. And like, like you said, we're looking forward to working with you going forward and, and doing whatever we can to help shine a light on these kids in the state of South Carolina.
2: You got it, buddy. Until next
3: time, buddy. Stay safe. We'll see you soon. Thanks.
2: All right, guys, there you go. The man right there, of course, with uh one one of the three, if you will, uh moving the chains is on Jarrell Hendrix. He does a great job. He covers everything, his passion for things on the field, off the field. And we didn't even talk about food with the guy. He may be my foodie guy uh, during the year because this guy goes and finds whatever the hottest food item inside the stadium. Jarrell is going to find out who, when, where, and how. You make it, you buy it, and where you get it from and all that stuff. So we got to break because we got to go. The bus is heading to Charlotte with the one and only Reginald Walker, Jr. We're talking college football. We're switching gears just for a bit. We're going to get into the ACC media days. We'll also talk quickly about what's going on in the game of football. We're still moving teams around, by God. Don't go anywhere. More Southern Sports Central next.
5: There is nothing more intoxicating than the meld of emotions and sensations that is Friday night. Friday night is the sound of that crowd, the pride of that community, the way that that grass smells. I've never felt in my adult life the way that I felt on Friday nights. That's what those kids are playing for. They're playing for that emotion. They're playing for that brotherhood and all of that sensory input that comes from Friday night. Oh, That's why they're playing high school football in this country. It is this common thread that weaves through the American fabric. Whether you live in Compton, California, or you live in Appalachia, if you played the game at the high school level, you have this common bond of representing that community. Anyone who disparages where the game is based on myriad reasons. I'm not buying it. I'm around the game every day on these campuses. I see the impact it has on these young men. I see the way that these coaches are able to grow high school boys into NFL or professional men. And it's just beautiful.
1: Now, for the utmost reports on sports of all sorts, let's join Richie Altman and Eugene Benton on Southern Sports Central.
2: It's another hour coming at you right here on Southern Sports Central. And what better way to bring them in than the one and only? That, of course, is Reginald Walker, Jr. What's going on, Reggie? How's life up in the Queen City of Charlotte, North Carolina, on a Saturday
6: afternoon? Life's good. Life's real good. It's football season, right? Like, talking season's over. All the media days are done. No more talking. To you. People are in training camp in the NFL. Colleges are going to take the field in the next couple of weeks as well. Football season is here. No more talking. It's time to let the pads pop and the paint swap.
2: No doubt about it. I'm sitting in here, and I'm still – I'm watching this. uh, It's the old Clemson versus LSU, one versus three on the screen here in the studio, and I just kept thinking to myself, man, you know, Deion's still making splashes. The Big 12 got back Colorado, by the way, worse. Get, they have the worst record in the last ten years with all the teams that are still in the Big 12. But good fit, I like it better than them being over in the pack. Never made sense to me. Meanwhile, the ACC media days are doing their things. That's right in your backyard, by the way. And Clemson, I'm sure, uh, was one of the big headlines. Florida State are back. Reggie, is Florida State going to be that team every year? Do we have to hear. They're kind of like, are they going to become the Cowboys of college football? That I just thought this up, by the way. Are they, are they the Cowboys of college football every year? They're back. Here we go. But every year. They fall so short, it, it's not even funny.
6: Yeah, I don't know if I'm going to go that far with it. I think that discussion is there. I, I would say Miami is in more of that category uh, sure. where, where they're kind of like the Cowboys where everybody has this belief that they're back every year and they never actually show up. I think Florida State's going to be a really good football team this year. They bring a lot of guys back on both sides of the football. Uh, Jared Verse, I think, is one of the better – uh, he's probably going to be a top 10 pick. I would say one of obviously one of the better pass rushers in the country. Then you look at uh, uh, the quarterback, Jordan Travis, uh, one of the, just a dynamic football player. He can run it. He can throw it. He can do everything they need him to do. So you look at his Florida state football team. I think they're going to be pretty good. Uh, Clemson. We're going to find out is Cade Klubnick the answer, right? Like everything else has been in place for years. We know what Will Shipley is in the backfield. Now I've said this, and I don't mean to take anything away from those guys that play wide receiver at Clemson, but look, there's no Martavis Bryant, DeAndre Hopkins, you know, Sammy Watkins, Mike Williams. Those guys are not walking through that door. Had some kind of an impact on the lack of explosiveness in the offense uh, for Clemson the last couple of years, but at the end of the day, I do think Clemson is going to be obviously one of the better teams in the ACC.
2: When you look at it, North Carolina, by the way, you're where you're at now. It's going to have the college game day kickoff against these Gamecocks in South Carolina. It should be, could be. I got it picked as a really good game. I know the Florida State LSU game is a big one. A lot of people wondering why they're not there, but I get why they're here because Spencer Rattler finished off extremely strong with the Gamecocks, and this guy that's the quarterback for the old Tar Heels. Boy, he could have easily went in the draft this year. Conversations what he was going to. But he comes back with Mac Brown with a chance, maybe, of dethroning this Clemson conversation and just pushing Florida State out of the way for a state champion or national championship run. What are you liking that matchup between? And were you surprised to see College Game Day kind of stay home uh, around the Charlotte area and, and do what they're going to do uh, with College Game Day and of course the Battle of the Carolinas?
4: No, I think
6: that's a great decision by them. I, now I, I, there was a chance, obviously, they could have dealt with uh, Penn State and West Virginia as well. I thought that one might have been a pretty good one, but. Uh, Look, Charlotteson, it it works well for them in terms of game day and the setup near the stadium and and the way they can do those things. So I like the idea. I think it's going to be a good football game. The question is going to be, can North Carolina stop anybody? We saw them defensively last year. They were an abject disaster on that side of the football most games, especially down the stretch uh, when the offense started to falter a little bit. But I think the thing – let's just call a spade a spade here, Richie, right? If South Carolina is on the top end of where we think they can be, and North Carolina just plays to where we know they are capable, particularly on offense, this could be a battle of two guys that could find themselves in New York for the Heisman Trophy ceremony by the end of the year. And I'm not saying that Spencer Rattler is a guy that's going to run off and South Carolina is going to win 11, 12 games, but he's got a chance. It's a showcase game against another guy that's a Heisman candidate or a guy that's truly a Heisman candidate. I don't know if Spencer's sort of in that conversation right now, but if he starts the year with a big performance in that game and they find a way to beat North Carolina on national television and he throws four or five touchdown passes, all of a sudden here comes Spencer Rattler with some momentum to start the season and he may find himself pushing for an opportunity to be in New York by the end of the year.
2: It could be, could be a very uh, interesting conversation. And we'll recap this after that game has played out as we're live here with Reginald Walker Jr., of course, does a great job covering and handling all the college conversation with us here on Southern Sports Central as he comes out of Charlotte, North Carolina. We look at around the country. Now, let's take a look around because we got you on the clock here. We want to make sure we respect your time. And were you surprised when you saw primetime and, and the Colorado Buffaloes charging back into the Big 12. Of course, we're going to see the exit of two major schools in Oklahoma and Texas. They're coming to the SEC, but here come the Buffalo. Here comes Deion in prime time and all of his uh, fireworks, if you will. Is this the beginning? And now that we see other teams out of Arizona, Utah, I mean, what are we going to see here? Talk to me about uh, the move and how safe is the Pac-12 now, and does this start to affect maybe the ACC? As those are probably the hottest two conferences to cherry pick from
6: I'm going to say it real simple. I don't know when I'm going to get the invitation, but uh, you can send all funeral flower, floral arrangements in the honor of the Pac-12 to Harvest Life Changes mm-hmm. Church in L.A. Because that, that particular conference is going to be extinct within three to five years. I mean, that, that's just a fact. I, I, I mean, you look at that conference, you look at that league, The the stability standpoint there is is, it's nonexistent. And, and, you know, as we look at this thing, I think obviously you mentioned Colorado, which I think it's a great fit for them. Remember, they were in the old Big Eight, which merged with what was left of the Southwest Conference to create the Big 12 to begin with. So they're gone. Obviously, I like the move again for Colorado. And then you look at it. I think Utah is a prime candidate to go. And then I think you look at the Arizona schools and what that allows – for the Big 12, and it's been out there. It's been reported. I I felt it was going to be that before it was even out there. But the reason why I say that's such a good fit, it's all about TV windows. And now all of a sudden you look at it, and it creates the mountain time zone. It gives that to the Big 12. And that's what they were looking for. And also the way their media rights deal was set up, where they get the additional money for bringing those new teams in, it works out well for them also. So I think from this standpoint, the way we look at it, People can say what they want. But eventually it's going to be the SEC, the Big Ten, the ACC, and the Big 12. And the Pac-12 is going to either be completely extinct or they're going to be a, a non, quote, non-power five school, right? That's what's going to happen to the Pac-12. They're just not going to be able to sustain it. And I tell you right now, San Diego State might, fi- might find themselves in the Pac-12, but at the end of the day, they're too late. They're unable to help sustain right. it, and, and the reality is what it comes down to, and I don't mean to take a shot at them, but like George Klevkoff, bro, you you got to move faster than that. Right? He, he didn't make fast enough moves to really save the Pac-12. Now, he took over an abject disaster from Larry Scott. Larry Scott screwed this thing up eight ways to Sunday, and it's not going to get fixed under George uh, And And on the flip side of that, you look at a guy like Brett Yormark and everything he's done business-wise before he got to the Big 12. That's why he's making moves. He understands how to get deals done. I call him ABC, always be closing. And that's exactly what we've seen from Brett Yormark. He's getting it done, and that's why the Big 12 is on its way up, and the Pac-12 is in deep, deep trouble.
2: And I agree with what you're saying, but I'm going to go the other side. I think the ACC is in in maybe not as nearly as much trouble. I don't think they're hitting the button yet, but I do think they definitely have some people whispering ears at the table going, hey, I don't like what's going on. Because remember, Florida State has already showed interest into getting up out of here. He's already – He's already had the conversation with Clemson's been there. North Carolina, for all sakes. And North Carolina, one of the blue bloods, of course, of the program there, which means when leaves, a lot of teams leave with them. That's my thing. I see the Big Ten, and I see the SEC, and I even think because of the geographics of the Big 12, I think they'll be fine too. And that's kind of how I think. I think you divide the country into three different spots unless they find a way to get a better financial deal with TV. And, again, TV drives it all. We're learning that it is a business more than it is a sport anymore, and that's a sad thing. And you saw that when Missouri came to the SEC for TV marketing, right? I mean, I still don't think the Missouri's – I don't. it's hard, and I'm not speaking from a Gamecock point of view because they beat South Carolina every year. They're like the Kentucky that used to beat us. But I like them better in the Big 12. I would like to see them go back to the Big 12 (laughs) on many levels. But I don't think, and I'm worried, Reggie, and you're there in Charlotte, you're there in in, in a very, that's the home of the ACC. Do you really think that they can salvage and keep Florida State, they can salvage and keep Clemson away from the Big Ten who's lurking there, kind of standing out there like the Big Bad Wolf, waiting to take one of their sheep away from the yard?
6: I do, and I'm going to tell you why I think so. The main reason why is the money. And what I mean by that when I say the money is this. Remember, no other league, as far as we know, has that clause in there to where if they add a school, the payout to each school goes up. Right. Nobody else has that like the Big 12 has. So the AC, so the SEC, let's just say the SEC were to convince Florida State to come. That's going to shrink the pot for every SEC school. And that number's not going to go up. So for Florida State it would look good because it's more money than they're getting in the ACC. But are the SEC schools going to sign off on splitting that pot 17 ways because it's the same amount of money as opposed to 16. That's why this Big 12 thing is, is so interesting, because they're getting the extra money for bringing those teams in. That's number one. Number two, I think the issue, when you look at the ACC, the only problem is the agreement they signed a bunch of years ago for 25 years or whatever it was, that's the only problem in the ACC. It's money. And because they signed the deal and allowed it to be such a long deal, they thought it would create stability which in truth it did what they didn't understand and what they were not prepared for, which is what sometimes we all sort of forget about, right? Is that, that the venerable inflation construct, right? Every year it's going to get bigger, like whoever, but if you really look at, let's, let's go backwards for a second. Let's look at the big 10 deal because everybody hears it's, it's over a billion dollars and blah, blah, blah. All they did. Let me help everybody understand this. The Big Ten got about 300 plus, they got 320 million-ish from CBS, 320 million-ish from NBC, and they got 320 million-ish from ESPN, ABC. That's why the number sounds so big. But if you actually look at it, the money that the ACC is getting, they just have ABC, ESPN, and uh, now CW, right? Essentially. You look at the SEC; they just have ESPN and ABC, and they used to have CBS. They don't have that anymore. So it's not that the 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 league or the uh, the media partners are paying more money. It's just that the Big Ten was smart enough to get in bed with three of them at the same time, when no one else has been able to pull that off.
2: Hmm. When you look at it, too, Reggie, and you see – and, again, everybody's chasing who? Big Brother. Who's Big Brother? Not the NCAA. It's the SEC. SEC is the stone doing what they do. We saw TV deals coming out. You see, when you've got a team, now two teams coming in, as we see, multiple teams have done this since the, 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 the start of the SEC, which, by the way, earlier today on the SEC network, I saw, the, I saw that hole where they, they took the Alabama-Florida very first ever conference championship game, and people, of course, were, were saying it was basically the national championship game. But you remember when that started. You and I can remember that far back. to so what it is today, to know now they're just going to have a whole completely can of worms when it comes to how they have not an east and a west It's going to go down to whoever's in one and two, which is going to be different. My biggest concern, again, Reggie, you and I talk about this all the time, and the one thing I love about sports is tradition, is history, is foundation. And I feel like we're in such a different direction, and you're seeing it all the way down to college game day. It's going to be a whole different – it's going to constantly change, and that's one thing in the world we do change. But I digress because I say this to only get out this part is that we're seeing all the way from the Maryland going all the way to the other side of the country to play sports. West Virginia doing their thing. I mean, there's just so many things that I'm, I'm hating to see go away. I understand some things need to change, Reggie, but my concern is that are we getting away from what's made college football the amazing sport it is? It's the shortest season of all seasons, but it's what makes it the best season of all.
6: Simple answer, yes, we are getting away from it. Everybody's chasing the money, and what's interesting is I don't know that they're necessarily chasing profit margin. They're just chasing having the number next to their name that sounds aligned with everybody else. Because if you really, really look at it, at the end of the day, do the math, right? Is, you, you, let's use Clemson as the easy example, right? Anybody in the, in the ACC, they want more money. But if you're going to send, well, let's use, uh, let's use UCLA or USC. They want more money. So they're going to bring in more money off of TV deals. How much more money are they going to spend chartering their – Tennis team to go play Rutgers. So the profit margin is not necessarily going to be there. They just want to make sure the, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, the gross revenue aligns with everybody else. The net's not going to be the same. And that's where I think when you look at Colorado, they benefit in going to the Big 12 because there's going to be less travel in a lot of ways for their teams.
2: Meanwhile, you look at West Virginia, by God, going to the Big 12. If I'm not mistaken, they're they're in the Big 12, right? Uh, that, to me, is, is is kind of a very – I don't understand. And, and you're hearing, of course, Southern Cal breaking loose and coming east as well. I just – like you said, football is not the only conversation financially that we need to talk about when we're talking about these transformations. We're talking about these moves and things that are happening because you've got multiple programs that struggle enough as it is to stay afloat, right? I mean, to stay afloat and keep – butts in the seats, and it's going to be hard to do when you're traveling across the country
6: to four or five different states or, or, or across the country in general. Absolutely correct, and, that, and that's what I, that's what gets lost in this thing is the inability sometimes to see and remember all of those aspects of things, and, and that's something we got to keep an eye on. That's something that uh, is going to really be an impetus and something to pay attention to when you look at these deals going forward is whether or not – you know, those numbers bear out and met out for these schools because you're going to blow a lot of cash on some programs that are non-revenue. And guess what that's going to mean? One of two things is going to happen. They're going to ask the alumni for more money or they're going to start trying to figure out how to splinter some of this off, right? Are we going to see athletic departments cutting programs? I don't know, maybe. But it's going to be something to keep an eye on. We'll see what we
2: got to do. Reggie, man, I know you've got to go. You've got a lot going on today, brother. What's happening on your show, man? I've, I've been trying to catch it from week to week to week, man. You keep having five-star guests over there. Like we get you, man. Uh, give us the rundown, man. What's new? What's old? What's happening over there on your show?
6: Uh, Shutdown Corner's going well. We got, uh, this week, it's, it's just me in, in there. No guests this week. Uh, it was, I should say. in the next, uh, in the next couple of weeks, we got Charles Arbuckle coming on. Then I got, uh, Langston Wirtz, uh, who is a well-known uh, high school sports writer here in Charlotte with the Charlotte Observer, he'll come on the week leading up to the kickoff of high school football. I'm actually going to do – check this out, Richie. You'll love this. I'm going to do five high school games in three days the week of the 17, uh, the, the 17th, 18th, and 19th here in Charlotte. That will include some South Carolina schools playing, some North Carolina schools as well. So got a big, big high school weekend coming up. We'll preview that with him, talk about – uh, some of these kids that are obviously high-level prospects that could find themselves at the next level on our TV screens as well.
2: Always a good time, man. You and high school football, I would love the chance to call the game with you on high school football, man. And the reason is, and I and I have this conversation with my son, who's a 20-year-old guy. who He just never got into high school football, right? And he didn't play high school football. So I can somewhat kind of understand. But I told him, man, there's nothing like Friday Night Lights. There's nothing like the smell of the grass, which is becoming – also, something that we won't ever talk about again because of all these turf fields that we're seeing everywhere. Financially, again, another conversation why they're doing it. But you and I doing a Friday night game, man, that's almost like a bucket list for me. Or even a Saturday college game day would be great. But I could only imagine us covering a South Carolina versus North Carolina game. Maybe I'll get in touch with the Shrine Bowl and say, hey, look, can me and my guy do it? He's a North Carolina guy. I'm a South Carolina guy. We'll, we'll do it justice, man. Uh, let's see if we can put it together. That would be a pretty uh, – entertaining three or four hours of, uh, of radio for sure.
6: I would definitely enjoy that. Let's figure it out. We'll figure out how to make that one happen.
2: You got it, buddy, man. I, I told you I wouldn't keep you too long this morning or this afternoon. Thanks for moving around with us as we had to move some things this morning, but, uh, appreciate you. Look forward to catching up with you. And I'll do that here off the air, uh, this week as well, man, try to enjoy the week, have a great weekend. And until
6: next time, we'll see you soon, buddy. Sounds good. Appreciate you. We'll talk soon. All
2: right. There you go, guys. We, uh, Always grateful for the guys and girls who are able to give us time away from their days and their schedules and their things. Now, that being said, uh, just waiting for the right time to to have this conversation with you guys. Uh, I don't know if you follow us. If not, please jump on Twitter at S.A. Sports Central. Follow us on Facebook at Southern Sports Central. But it was a very, very tough day a few days ago. as We got word that uh, one of our own, who uh, she spent time with me here for about two and a half to three years, and, uh, Darnesh Allen, uh, Jackson passed away, uh, battled so many health battles and, and so many things not to get too personal with her personal life. But I will tell you that, uh, I can remember the first time that, uh, her and I and Bryson Allen Williams, who for you Gamecock fans, know that was a linebacker who came out of the state of Georgia, out of Atlanta. And, uh, he, of course, uh, was a guy that you know, jumped on our radar. He was going week after week after week to different colleges. I'm not talking, like, local colleges. I'm talking Southern Cal where Lane Kiffin was at, down to Florida where uh, Will Muschamp was at, over to Alabama where Nick Saban was at, Urban Myers was at Ohio State, South Carolina. You know, he was going to all these places with Steve Furrier. This is where he ended up coming to. But um, as we were interviewing him, after each and every weekend, he would give us incredible, incredible uh, recaps on on how the weekend went for our recruits to listen to. Well, Darnisha, as you guys would know, uh, she of course uh, is Sports Mommy seventy four. She was very active on social media. She was almost her own her own entity, really. I mean, she was doing such a great job that we decided to add her segment in, as she was a mother traveling around with her son on recruiting, so that parents can understand the do's and the don'ts, and the wills and the won'ts of recruiting, because it's Always an ongoing conversation here on Southern Sports Central. But when Clemson Tom needed to take time away, the good Lord above always puts people in your path. And he did it that day where we all connected. And she had the opportunity as Bryson chose the game cost. And she needed something to do. So we thought it would be a good fit. And for three years, she co-hosted this show with us. Darnisha is one of the most sweetest, kindest people I've ever met the love of her family, the love of life, the love of those who came across her life, those who joined her in any conversation. She never met a stranger. She never had a negative thing to say. Okay, unless it was about the Tigers, but you have to understand her some played for the Gamecocks. She was a very big advocate at Southern Sports Central in her time here at Southern Sports Central. Her passion of wanting to see my dream become a reality to support me in ways that, quite frankly, I needed it during the time and the conversations from a woman who lived in Atlanta where a guy here in Somerville was able to connect thanks to social media, telephones, and the ability to go through this type of stuff. The news, when it came across the other night, it hit me as hard as something's hit me before because I've never in my life have ever thought that somebody with such a huge heart would leave our earth so soon. My thoughts and prayers her with Antoine, her husband, Hurt, who also was Antoine Jr., who played football at the Ohio State Buckeyes. He also played at Auburn. He now plays in the XFL. And, of course, her son, and Allen Williams. It's a tough day for that family. I know she was a family woman who loved her mother and her father. She had two sisters. She loved her family from her nieces and nephews and everybody. And, again, she was a person who made a difference if you haven't had a chance to have a conversation. Never slow down to stop and say hello to somebody or answer the phone or just to reach out and check on somebody because you never know when the last time will be that last time. I had a conversation with her last week, and she just kept telling me, keep doing what you're doing. It's the happiest I've ever seen you. And that, my friends, is something that I will remember. We'll give a quick moment of silence on a woman who was a big advocate. We called her the first lady of Southern Sports Central. I thank God for her, her ability to connect with the athletes. She brought on a lot of big-name coaches with her, and she just really believed in not only the dream of Southern Sports Central, but in the man that she called her brother and myself. We'll be right back, guys. A quick moment of silence coming back. We'll take some phone calls. We'll catch up with Coach Smitty and maybe a few more. You're listening to Southern Sports Central on Saturday afternoon.
1: On sports of all sorts, let's join Richie Altman and Eugene Benton on Southern Sports Central.
2: Welcome back, everybody. Richie Altman here live on Southern Sports Central as we... Uh, well, dedicate the rest of this show to the one and only Miss Darnisha Allen Jackson. She was a co-host here for almost three years, as uh, she provided a lot of entertainment, but a lot of love and a lot of laughter, and some really great conversations. As uh, again, never a stranger met, they crossed her path, and uh, we uh, wanted to wait in between uh, hour one and uh, hour three, as we do it now here. On the show, make sure you follow us on Facebook. It's Southern Sports Central on Twitter at SS Sports Central. I want to thank Reginald Walker Jr. Of course, he played his college days for Jopa over at Penn State. Now he does a lot of stuff for multiple avenues over there in Charlotte. But he's a big-time player here on the network called Southern Sports Central. Earlier in Hour 1, we started off with Jarrell Hendricks with Moving the Chains. Those guys do a great job covering and smothering high school sports as uh, we always uh, look forward to meeting and working with and promoting and, and, and really just doing what we can to help the guys that are doing it the right way and those three dudes are doing it and doing it well. Don't forget at 2 o'clock, David Shelton joins me as uh, we get into the local high school stuff here in the Low Country. So we'll talk with David about Media Day, which next week, next Sunday, 1 o'clock, Southern Sports Central, Boots on the Ground at Cane Bay as we'll meet all of our closest coaches and players and just really – indulge in about two or three hours of conversation. We're going to try to go live at 1 o'clock. We'll try to interview some coaches. We'll try to interview some players, wait and see how it works out. Uh, But that is the game plan. At worst, we'll take a bunch of notes. I do want to bring in uh, Coach Smitty, and uh, we do have another caller hanging tight. Uh, So just hang tight just one minute. We're going to give him an introduction as well, uh, as uh, he has been part of this uh, show for a long time as well. But before I get to him, Coach Smitty, Man, you've been hanging tight with me for a while, brother. Glad to have you with me uh, as we look forward to uh, kind of another week of uh, high school football, but a better week of high school football because that was yesterday. Hey, man, King Street killing it down there. or Over there, I guess, that's the PD area, right? You guys are kind of in no man's land, kind of a triangle, the Bermuda Triangle of football, right?
7: That's right. We're kind of something most PD. Region and we could almost qualify as being in the Low Country Charleston region. We're at the very tipy top of that. So
2: So yesterday, you guys put on some helmets, sweated it out a little bit, get acclimated to this hundred and whatever it is degree temperature that we're dealing with here in the low country or the PD or wherever the heck you are in the great state of South Carolina. Uh, but it's just glad to get past that part, right? You guys have done your camps. Uh, well, you've done your seven you You've done, uh, you're going to different camps. Now everything is homegrown right there on your own field. Uh, what was the attitude of the guys yesterday coming on your field? Because you're the first coach we got a chance to talk to, even though you work here on the show with me. Um, what was the attitude of these kids, man? I mean, were they excited to finally be well,
7: like, look, you know, okay, this these is it, man. Days, These days, it's kind of a letdown in a way for the first uh, – again, we've been in helmets since basically spring ball in May. Uh, we actually put – obviously, you know, we put pads on in May. Then we take the pads off of them for a month or so, but they're still in helmets all summer. So – they're ready to get the pads back on. We're ready for them to get the pads back on. You've got to do these three um days mandated for some reason. you know they claim it's because of heat exertion, but I would love to see the studies on that because uh again i, I I've been playing coaching football a long time. I'm a big proponent of uh, safety and a big proponent of doing it the right way but to me, if you want them to get adjusted to 30 pounds of pads, they got to actually have those pads on in order to get adjusted to them. So uh, it, does, it makes zero sense to me that we go uh, a whole month where we got pads on in May pretty much, and then you take them off. you got two months of helmets, right, June and July, <laughs> you're in helmets for two whole months. And then, boom, now we're back here in August, and they said oh, no, you can't wear pads. you got to still wear a helmet for three days. So uh, that's a joke to me, even though um, I, I understand, you know, everybody likes to pretend they're for safety, uh, even though we don't actually um, do like we should. Like I said, I would think being in pads would be a whole lot more effective for preventing heat stroke than being out of pads, when we've been in helmets for two straight months, so um, at, at some point you got to get used to having that extra weight on top of you in the heat so um, that's a big deal obviously we have wet bulbs and all that now which are great inventions that again it's over a certain degree ninety two degrees you shut everything down you can't practice outside um, if it's even in the nineties you're gonna be in helmets anyways so there's a lot of stuff, and, you know, a lot of teams like ourselves, we now practice first thing in the morning, 7 a.m., so we're lucky. We kind of missed that whole uh, temperature rise. We got it a little bit today towards the end of practice, uh, and and that's good. You know, that's one of the reasons we chose to go to that morning format is we're beating the heat, because if you stay with the 4 o'clock normal schedule of high schools, it's real hard to get any practices in these days uh, padded with the wet bulb uh issue and you don't want to risk safety at all so you either go late late at late at night which gets into homework time or um, again you don't wear pads at all which is an issue because then you're not training them in pads and they're going to be in pads on a game night but there's a lot of issues involved with this that people don't know about that uh, probably need to get active in
2: yeah, I mean, that's the thing. We, we talk about that. As we're live right now with one of our head football coaches here on the Palmetto State, Coach Committee over at King Street, He's also a guy that plays a major role off the air as he tweets out and puts things out for us here. Also comes in as a, a, as a voice here of the network as well as one of our coaches on staff here. So good to hear uh, one of our Palmetto State coaches talking about it, getting into it, and, and really honestly – Able to give us his side of it again. When you're a coach, it's different than being a player, than being a fan, than being even in our shoes. Uh, we can be around as much as we want. But we don't see a lot of things, coach, that you guys see. But I feel like we're we're trying to work certain things. But you know, it's that friction between what's right, what's wrong, and, and what's the best decision to do here. Um, and again, we're, there's so many different cans that we can open here and, and have so many different conversations. But to be honest with you, just to be able to say, okay, it's here, 2023 is here. And the next time that we slow down will be when you hang up those same helmets that we just put on yesterday, right?
7: That's correct. So, uh, uh, you know, we got a new venue that everybody's looking to get to. South Carolina State post school state championships this year, so everybody's that's everybody's goal this time of year.
2: Yeah, that is the new goal, by the way. Because here's uh, here's the thing: uh, it was the Benedict. They did a great job. You can't say they didn't. Great job, great opportunity for them to get exposure. Here comes Buddy Pugh and the, and the Bulldogs, South Carolina State. They're going to get it this year. Probably looks like, to me, it's going to run around, move around a little bit. Uh, but we'll see how this works out uh, and all of that. But a lot of good stuff happening here uh, on the deal. Coach Smitty, hang on. I'm going to let you hang on for this one here. i got to bring this guy in. Matthew Scott is a guy who, by the way, um, he has one of a, a – I I would say the South Carolina Youth Diabetes Association uh, that he puts on an incredible, an incredible production. Uh, And this is his 10 years, by the way, of doing it here. He is a diabetic himself, found out as a young child, wanted to look at it as being proactive, being reactive and not looking at it as a disability or something that held him back. So when we connected with Matthew Scott, uh, this was one of the things that we did get into with him. And he said, I'm going to do a, A very interesting concept here, guys. I'm going to get a softball game, and I'm going to go get celebrities across the state and that played at South Carolina and Clemson and a few other schools in between. And what I want to do is I want to bring in you guys. I want you guys to be a part of it. I remember the very first conversation. This is a kid. He was in high school now. I think Matthew's been out of high school now for quite some time. But let me do this, uh, Coach Smitty. I want to bring this guy in and talk a little bit about his deal, Coach. I think this is close to your heart as well. Anybody that does anything for the community, Uh, We're going to support you. We're going to bring you in. We're going to help you as much as we can. And he's part of the pack. So hold tight, Coach Smitty. Let's bring in Mr. Matthew Scott here. Welcome with us live here on Southern Sports Central. I believe he's up there in that Rock Hill area. It's on the upper right-hand side of the state. Matthew Scott, the founder of the South Carolina Youth. Association here is he Talks about diabetes but he does It while he's having fun doing it there Of course uh, Matt man you've been doing This now it's going on 10 years with this celebrity Softball game and you brought Us in uh, 10 years ago I remember it was Me you Clinton Tom I believe your mom Was a part of the conversation maybe your uncle was Here with us I mean it was basically like going To family dinner brother we sat down and You told us what you were doing and 10 Years later you're still doing it Brother congratulations on uh, all the Success you've had since day
8: one man first of all thank thank you for that because uh you know it's crazy when we kind of when we basically when we flip the calendar coming off a of year nine I I realized you know 10 years is going to be a big deal and then I also realized holy cow I'm getting old
0: <laughs>
8: but uh yeah you know it's crazy to think from back in high school to now being out of college and if you had told me this ten years ago that it would have grown this much and came down or it came through interacting with numerous you know names from Dabo Sweeney to Shane Beamer to whoever you can think of I've probably interacted with them in some capacity or form, which is still mind blowing to me but uh man yeah i'm <clears throat> I'm ten years it's it's mind blowing I'm excited because we are. Gearing up for, you know, the location because I've mentioned it on the Sky of Softball podcast. We're going up towards the York County area, so if there's anybody listening out there up that way, stay tuned. We're coming, we're coming your way on October seventh, as I think I put on social media before. We got our little trailer with our logos on it and everything like that, and I joke with everybody and I say that's our version of college game day bus. <laughs>
2: Man, did you have any idea, Matthew, that when you kick this thing off again, you're a young man that loved the game of baseball. Still do, by the way. My God, you're in a baseball stadium every night now. I see it. And summertime is your best time, brother. You're living your best life. But you didn't stop. When you were told you had diabetes as a child, you didn't stop. As a matter of fact, you got going even faster. But you did it by watching what you eat. You did it by understanding that you just have to do it a little different. I mean you have to stop doing it, but you had to pay attention to what you were doing and the awareness that you brought to the table, which is why I love having you in here because we're about the youth. At that time, you were the youth, my friend, and here you go with a dream and a vision that now is a reality and an everyday conversation of the South Carolina you know, Youth Diabetes Association as you continue to do it week in and week out. And you don't just lay down and get a guy here and there. You get a lot of the guys come back. You got a lot of the ladies come back, but you continue to work on getting names that people have heard of, and then you found out. I think the biggest testimony you got is it there's a lot more people with diabetes that are playing the game of baseball, football, basketball, than you ever thought were.
5: Yeah, and
8: I mean, one thing, too, is with all the guys and girls that come, come back, whatever it may be, it's it's always a good feeling, for me at least, when, you, when, you know, these, most of these guys and girls that come and play are not type 1 diabetic guys, so you look at a guy like Kyle Farnsworth who played pro baseball for over 10 years and semi-pro football. And I still think that guy's a freak of nature because he is jacked. But, uh, you know, guys like him, he when he came back in 2021 at Columbia International, he said, I enjoy doing this. I I love being a part of it. You know, supporting what we do, that's always a good feeling at the end of the day. And that's, that's usually kind of the common, I guess, response or common thing I, we all get told at the end, you know, come the end of the day. Every October, but uh, you know, for me, I, I I really invest. I try to put on a good product, like you say, right? which I still, which you know, I still try to make an even better one. From the names in attendance to the solid auction tables to some some good concession stand stuff or food trucks. I know you're a food guy, that's why I said it.
4: Uh,
8: and even the sponsorships, you know, we've gotten a lot more of a wider. I guess you can say, a wider range of support from the state, which is a terrific feeling just because, you know, even though I'm, for me personally, being based out of Lancaster County and the small town of Kershaw, nobody ever heard of it until, unless we tell them. <laughs> but, uh, you know, just we're going around and interacting with these people saying, hey, we are a state nonprofit. We're helping kids with type 1 diabetes, giving them a chance to come to the organization's summer camp for a lower cost. That way they can interact with diabetics learn how to take better care and especially when you when you try to get that attention, that feel, point out there of saying, Hey, it's for the kids. Like this is legit. I know we're not a worldwide not or charity, which who knows maybe one day it'll turn to that. But uh really it's just, you know, it's 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 mind blowing at the end of the day just to look back on ten years, you know. Overall it's you know, I'm still grateful for Anybody that lets me come on to talk about it, which, I, like you said, 10 years now I've been coming on, it's, it's, it seems like it's been forever. And when I heard that the show was returning, I sat there and I thought, yeah, I got to see if I can fly back in and make a, get, as they say, get your originals to come on the show. That's right, man.
2: I mean, and you're one of those guys that have come in here, man. We've, we've watched you grow in multiple ways, Matthew. And, of course, uh, founding a, a very – uh easy thing for us to support man there's so many young athletes i know coach smitty's still on there with us coach smitty uh i'm going to pull you in here because i'd like you to kind of chime in here we talk about diabetes coach you've got football players over there that deal with certain topics as a coach as a guy that played at the citadel coach smitty uh as a guy that just kind of grew up you know diabetes wasn't something that was an awareness with you and i growing up as kids man we kind of ate everything that came at us but things are different now things are pushed with different things in it now coach well, what are some of the things when it comes to diabetes with you that you've seen over there at King Street or you saw before your, your, your last stop?
7: Right. Well, my wife is a type 1 diabetic, so very familiar with the um, disease and, and all that comes with it. It's, you know, uh, I actually way back when I first got out of college, I was uh, investment rep in our Fundraiser was the Juvenile Diabetes um, Foundation fundraiser, so um, it's definitely a foundation and a thing that's uh, near to my heart. You know, there's a lot of kids these days who are growing up with diabetes now, more so than ever, uh, whether it's type one or type two, and you know, it's something to definitely keep aware of, especially if you're a football coach. You know, and I know. Um, had mentioned, but, uh, Mark Andrews is a diabetic, plays tight end, uh, played tight end for the Baltimore Ravens for a long time. Um, and, um, so it can be done, but it's extremely hard to, um, you know, keep up with it. You know, you got to really be staying on them and and as a coach, you know, if you have anybody who's diabetic on your team, you got to watch them closely. Make sure the blood sugars aren't dropping, make sure they're not getting too high. I mean, there's a lot that entails with that process. obviously they got to be eating the right stuff and uh, you got to make sure they um, have insulin nearby in case something does go wrong and um, also know what to do It, it like I said it, um, it if it drops too low it drops too low you got to you know kind of get them out of there state and make sure you got some sugar nearby that can get them out of it, or you got to be able to stick them with a pen and get it back up again. So uh, there's a lot that goes into it. It's not an easy um, road at all for those people, and uh, we need to do all we can to help them. Coach Smitty hanging
2: out with us here, one of our big-time guys to support us on and off the air, as he is the head football coach over there, of course, at King Street. Uh, Matthew Scott back in here, back in the chair with his mic on and talking to us about his big, huge deal that he started 10 years ago. And, of course, uh, South Carolina Youth Diabetes Association and doing everything he can to aware not only the diabetics, but those around. Matthew, what was one of the things that was your biggest goal? What was your goal 10 years ago from today? You sat down with mom and everybody in the room and you said, this is my mission statement, and this is my goal. Can you re-remember that conversation?
8: Well, well, it, uh, I feel like I can remember bits and pieces a bit. So don't shoot the messenger if I get something wrong. But uh, you know, ten years ago, we were. It, it literally happened in just most random timing, I guess you can say, because we were coming. I was on my way back from. Atlanta, Georgia, from watching a Braves game. I had a close friend of mine, you know, come down to Atlanta, and he was playing on the other side at, with the New York Mets at the time. And coming back, you know, Dr. Chris Houck, who's, you know, the, the, as I like to give him credit, he's the real chairman and all that of Scotty. I just, you know, I'm over here raising, you know, we do everything – I well, yeah, I do everything I can to raise the money and try to help, you know, the organization grow, have the exposure, have – you know mm-hmm. the success it needs, and long story short, from you know that conversation, I just remember Mom and Doctor ha- Doctor Chris out. They were conversating about a new organization and a newer a new diabetic camp because there's not that many camps here in the state of South Carolina. We're we're one of them, and then there's one up towards right around the state line, uh, North Carolina South Carolina state line. And another one, more towards the Charleston area. But for us, it gave the you know the surrounding states another option to look at. We uh, we, went, we went a little bit less on the dates because a lot of kids they're they're not used to being home or you know away from home for an entire week, you know seven days, you know six days, seven nights, however you want to do the math. And so, got you know, Skyde pretty much came about that day, you know, coming up with a group of people to you know, wanting to make an impact and trying to engage, inspire other kids, you know, that they can do anything they want to with their type one diabetes. As my dad told you know, once said, you can either you know give up and roll in or you can make something out of it. And you know, I think that's it's funny how the world of sports has been a huge blessing for me in a way because it it turned it turned it, it turned. They closed one door and turned it and, and you know and they opened up another one because you know, being able to interact with all the diabetic athletes to and, you know, and just athletes in general because I know Coach talked about Mark Andrews. There's also guys like Elliot Fry, who's who was a kicker at South Carolina, type one diabetic also. And I think he's on the contract somewhere, I might be wrong. But uh, you know, there's numerous I guess you would say, you know, faces of type one diabetes out there and I know there's you know, from the college name, image, and likeness deal, there's some type 1 diabetes, you know, type 1 diabetic athletes, you know, given that, you know, pretty much serving it, you know, serving the purpose well, you know, at the college level because, you know, trying to get more, well, I shouldn't say get, but raise more awareness in numerous ways is amazing, you know, and for the, te- you know, diabetic technology that's come such a long way from April of 2005 when I first got diagnosed. You know, you now got the Dexcom. You know, it's a little sensor you can put on your arm or stomach where it keeps track of <clears throat> keeps track of where your numbers can go high or low. You know, you got the technology now. It's like for me, I got paired up with my T slim insulin pump where you can do it. Where you know, it, it can the control IQ. It can you know get, you know try to balance it out if it goes high and if it goes low, it turns it shuts off the insulin. And you know, I know Coach was talking about having stuff on site, you know, having Gatorade's always helped me out and, uh, you know, Gatorade, something to bounce out with, you know, a pack of bean butter crackers to fruit snacks, you know, something simple because I remember them days very well with you know, being uh, playing baseball and type 1 diabetes where the adrenaline rush will get you. You know, you you might go high one minute but it'll hit you right, right after that you know, I applaud coach for what he's doing up, down there. Uh, definitely a tip of the cat from one diabetic to someone who's familiar with it. And uh, you know. And before I should get also, I know you're talking about Bryson Allen's mo Bryson Allen's mother, you know, my heart's my heart goes out to him because Bryson did also play in our event in twenty nineteen. You know, my heart goes out to him and our you know condolences out to the Allen Williams family. But uh, yeah.
2: Well, brother, we do wanted to uh, get you in here today. You and I kind of went back yesterday with some messages. I said, well, yeah. I'm always going to make time to get awareness to the community, to get awareness to our athletes, and to get awareness to anybody who needs to hear the message that that you needed to provide today. So uh, this is the year, and I'm just going to say that. This is the year. If it's going to get done, it will get done, and this is the year that we are going to plan ourselves accordingly, given that everything works out, uh, that we'll make a weekend trip up there. So just keep us up to date. Uh, where, when, and how we'll go from that point. Uh, but until next time, man. Uh, how do we find you? How do we keep up with you, Matt? Man, how do these guys get in touch with you if they want to get involved into supporting you financially, mentally, physically, or show up and
8: play a softball game here in uh, the next few months? Yeah, uh, you know, so social media sky the softball game on Facebook, sky the softball G on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, com, where you can go donate, whether it's donating a dollar, $5, $20. You know, there's a designation, you know, a little donor box area on that website. And if you want to donate to Sky to Softball specifically, there is a little designation box where you can donate there. I know the only reason I mention the designation box is because we finally added some other events over the last year, Uh, October 7th. 10 years of Sky Softball. It's going to be a great time up in York County. Uh, another way you can check us out is our podcast. I'm still – I've had a little break on it, but I'm slowly trying to get that back into the of things. So Sky Softball podcast, wherever you listen to your podcast, such as Apple, Spotify, and now, which Rich, I'll throw this out there just because it's one of the craziest facts that I never thought would happen, iHeartRadio, where you can find us on there as well. Uh Make sure I'm covering all the social medias. but Like I said, Sky Softball G, Twitter and Instagram, Sky Softball Game on Facebook. You can find Camp Sweet Escape on Facebook as well. As I mentioned, com. But uh, feel free to reach out, follow us, give, like, subscribe on the podcast because the more the merrier, as I say. And so, Bye. Richie, we'll be back on. Looking forward to talking to you some more as we lead up to year 10. Okay, man. The big... Two hands full, man. So we're good. We're
2: excited. We're going to be right here with you. We'll support you, educate these guys, and get them ready to roll, brother. Enjoy the day up there in the uh, Rock Hill side of life. they call that? Uh, football. Was that uh, What do they call that there, Coach Smitty? Football USA country? Something like that. But I uh, put a lot. There you go. So uh, enjoy the day, my friend Matt. It's good to hear from you, buddy. Until next time, buddy, uh, we uh, appreciate what you do. We support you 100%, and uh, we'll catch up with you next time.
8: Sounds good, man.
7: Thanks, buddy. All
2: right, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. Matthew Scott checking in with us all the way uh, up there in the upstate side of South Carolina. As you guys know, uh, he, 10 years ago, a kid in high school, had a dream, had a vision, had a mission, wanted to be a part of what – Uh, It took to be different, to be different, but to make it an opportunity to educate those who deal with some of the things that he deals with. And he wanted to have answers, for maybe he didn't have answers to give it to somebody else. And he's done a great job. And like you mentioned, Bryson Allen Williams played in that uh, event. So many people have played in that event, Smitty, but uh, it's a great event and I'm going to do my darndest this year to make that a weekend getaway. And uh, we can, you know, I can go up and stay in Charlotte. I can come down to Rock Hill, play and it, go back up to Charlotte. Got to make it a whole weekend thing there. Uh, uh, I'm going to work on it, Mac. Bear with me, brother. I do got to go to break. Uh, top of the hour. Wow. Hour three. Man, I tell you, Smitty, when you're having fun, it just flies by. And, and that's what we've done here today, man, by having Jarrell Hendricks, Reginald Walker Jr., Matthew Scott, the one and only Coach Smitty, the head football coach over there at King Street, and coming up, We're going to be joined by David Shelton. He, of course, writes for the Low Country, covers and handles the state, does a great job. I know you know David well as well, their coach, uh, so we're excited to get Coach uh, him in here with us. We're also going to talk about the Low Country. It's a very different look in two or three schools, maybe four or five, to be honest with you. But I want to get his outlook on the year. Haven't heard from him yet on that. Also, next Sunday, next Sunday, high school athletes in the Low Country Media Day is happening over at Kane Bay for the third year in a row. We were at the first one. We didn't make it last year, but we'll be back this year. Uh, so we'll get to meet and greet some of those guys. So we're going to take a quick break. We'll reset it and uh, kind of get you ready for the conversation that's coming up here with high school football right up this and the top of the hour. You're listening to Southern Sports Central right here on SouthernSportsCentral.com. Find us on Facebook at Southern Sports Central and on Twitter at s Central, guys. We'll be right back.
9: 27 years ago, I sat in this locker room just like you guys, on a knee, getting ready to play a game. I walked down the locker room, it still smells the same.
0: It takes you back real quick.
9: Quick. One of the things that caught me was how fast 27 years goes by. There's so many people that live vicariously through you. I would give anything tonight to jump in one of these uniforms with you guys. To do something I never had an opportunity to do. My father never saw me play. You play
6: for your father tonight.
9: That feeling goes away. It goes away, and it doesn't come every Friday night. It comes when you get married. It comes when your child's born. So you get it, but you just don't get it every Friday night. You're going to miss that more than anything in the world. That's what I miss. And so you seniors that are focused on college, you're focused on your work after high school, what you're going to do next, you're focused on tomorrow, aren't you? You've got plenty of time for tomorrow. But these tonights, they're going by fast. You focus on tonight. This is about you guys. This is about the guys in this room that care about each other, that know there's only so many more of these nights left. It's about you. They're a faceless opponent. They just happen to draw the short straw tonight. Now get your asses ready to play. Win on three. One, two, three.
1: I feel that you smell that. Welcome to Southern Sports Central, your source for all things sports, with your host, Richie Altman, Richie Altman, and Eugene Benton taking your call at 323-784-9681. Now, Let's join Richie in the studio.
2: I am Rich Yelbin here live on Southern Sports Central on a beautiful Saturday in South Carolina. Waiting on David Shelton to join us here in just moments. And Once we get him mic'd up and ready to go, we'll get into the high school conversation as we go back into the fields of high school, the Friday night lights, the smell of the grass, the Atmosphere, in the air, the hot dogs, this, the entire atmosphere that comes with Friday night lights. Now, again, uh, you know, David is one of the best in the business that covers the state of South Carolina. He does an amazing job. We're so blessed to have him here in the low country because when you're the best in the state, but yet you're residing in the low country in this backyard with the, the tri-county area of Charleston and Berkeley and Dorchester, they get the best of the best coverage. I mean, this guy does an incredible job. He's very much... To the point, though, he'll tell you what he thinks, and he tells you the way he thinks. He doesn't cover it up very well, and I love that about David. Uh, He's, of course, uh, a guy who is on a mission uh, to give these athletes what they deserve, and that is their time to shine as they grind. And we get ready because high school football is here. I mean, it is here. Yesterday was another step to us taking snaps under those lights on Friday nights. And here's the thing, as we're going to bring Coach Smitty back in, he's the head football coach. Uh, of course, uh, on the show today with us as he does a great job at King Street. And congratulations, Coach. You did make uh, the poll that we read earlier in uh, in your classification. But, you know, Coach, we talk about it. Here we are in, in, in the latter part of July, 29th, if you will. <laughs> It'll be a quick flip of a wrist. We'll be like, oh, it's November 29th? Where did the season go? It is the quickest
7: four or five months of the year. Will you agree? Goes by fast. So, you know, you tell the guys cherish every day that we have out there because before you know it, like you said, it's going to be November 29th, and uh, there's only a few teams left at that point. Well, you know, for me, Coach, and, and we
2: went through it with Jarrell. We were looking at the top 20, top twenty, top 10. We really broke it down to 10. And then, you know, he and I went through some Cinderella's one through five. And, you know, there's at least one or two, maybe three uh, that you look at. And of course, I looked at, you know, you look at the five and the four-A regions of, uh, excuse me, the, the five and four-A classifications of our state. And there's so much talent. And I'm not saying there's not talent one through uh, three, because there is. But it seems like in the top 10, they were – any given Sunday or given given Friday, excuse me, uh, any of those teams could step up and surprise the other team. And that's one thing that I love about our state football. Even if you go down to one eight, you start looking at that, You start looking at that top 10 again. Yeah. You know, it doesn't matter where you start. It matters where you finish. And, and for me, and I told you, you and I talked about this poll when it first came out, because, you know, we kind of dissected it a little bit deeper uh, than we would probably on the air. And, Again, it's conversation, right? It's cooler talk. It doesn't mean a hill of beans come November because some of these teams might not even be in the top 20 of this conversation. And a lot of it relies on a lot of things. Some guys have better days than others. Injuries are a conversation. There's other things that take place that have a different effect. So we'll have to wait and see. With that, ladies and gentlemen, we do, of course, uh, we're excited to bring it in. And, of course, uh, I told you before, he is one of the best in the business when it comes down to it. And uh, we now have him getting ready here to come in here with us and talk to us a little about what's happening, and let's do it right now. Let's bring in the one and only David Shelton.
0: Welcome back. Did you know it's football season when I get the man to hang out with me on a
2: Saturday at 2 o'clock in the low country, and that is the one and only David Shelton joins us here on Southern Sports Central as we get ready. We got the helmets on, David. We're getting closer to putting some pads on some shoulders, and I don't even think they wear the knee pads anymore. If they do, they wear them up near their thighs. Uh, but, David, man, it is that time of year. High school football's back, and so are you, buddy. Welcome back.
10: Yeah, uh, I'm glad it's here, and I'm glad I'm back. And, uh, you know, I had a rough summer, but uh, feeling good now and uh, got some football practices in yesterday and looking forward to the season.
2: Well, let's talk about you first, brother. I'm glad you're doing well, man. You know, you and I, we 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 catch up when we can, but I know you've had a couple of rough months here, man. Uh, how's the health going, man? And how's everything going personally? Before we get into some of the things around the low country.
10: Well, we're 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 in a positive stage right now, but uh, but I you know I, I would I would say if anyone's listening to this show and. Has diabetes or thinks they may have diabetes. You better get take care of it because I have I have been negligent in that area and I'm, I'm I have diabetes and it it uh, it got out of control this summer and it caused some kidney problems and I've been in and out of hospital and taking shots every day and and I I could have prevented this but I was uh, ignorant and lazy and I would just say my advice to anyone that. That has diabetes to definitely do what you got to do. Change your diet, take your meds, uh, and and I'm doing that now, and it, and I I seem to have it under control, doing well. Um, but you know, it was it was uh it was pretty rough there for a few weeks.
2: Man, I tell you, you know, we what we keep up with you, yeah, and of course, uh, you know, I, I just. You do so much for so many, David. You know, I just want to make sure you know that we're here. I'm here. I texted you personally and told you, man, if you need anything, we're here. I know, you know, you got Megan and and, and the grandchildren around, and you got your other son there. But uh, if there's anything we can do, let us know. I know Bobby is is the same way with you. So many guys and coaches reach out to you as well, man. But uh, you do so much, David, for so many. I just don't want you to think that when it's your turn that we're not here. Because I tell you, it's interesting uh, as you you lead off of the diabetes conversation is we just had a kid – uh, that started something 10 years ago. Matthew Scott with the South Carolina Youth Diabetes Association. He was a kid in high school, got found out he had diabetes, and it enabled him to do certain things, had to change his diet, certain things, but he started a softball game, a weariness softball game 10 years ago, and he just actually jumped off the radio as soon as you jumped in here, and, uh, and that's how the good Lord above works, man. I uh, had no idea you were going to jump into that word of diabetes, but here we are full circle, and uh, it, it's a real thing, and it's something that I think – one of the biggest uh things that we all overlook because we don't really pay attention to what we eat and what's in what we eat, correct?
6: Oh, it, it's it's a
10: it, it's a silent killer. It, it it affects uh it affects your body in a lot of ways with your with your kidneys and your pancreas and uh it just ruins your energy level. It it, it is a serious deal and I now know that and you know when 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 a doctor Comes into your hospital room and and says, "I'm just going to be blunt with you. Uh, I'm 57 years old." And he said, "You'll probably, if on your current rate, you won't see 60, and you'll be blind with no feet." Uh, He said, "Because your feet will go; they'll have to cut them off, which, which is what happens when the blood quits flowing, and you lose your eyesight, and and you know." So he he woke me up, and I've been. I'm pretty solid for a month now on on doing the right thing and I check my check my sugar every day uh several times a day in fact I'll I'll check it since we hang up and uh try to get a handle on it but but at least I feel better because for the month of June and most of July I I didn't feel like getting out of bed to be honest with you
2: Hanging out with David Shelton, the best in the business when it comes to covering high school football, and he does a lot of other things on the side as well. That just is by far uh, top notch. But uh, David, I, I I love to hear the positive in you, man, because that's one thing I've I've had a chance to to get to know you on so many different levels, man. I I, I know a lot of your children, man, and of course it's a personal conversation with you and I. Uh, I don't think we get to eat at Matts anymore. I think Matts, unfortunately, unless he's going to put um, salad on the on the menu, right? I mean, because that. Uh,
10: they that have, one they have a grilled chicken salad. They have a grilled chicken salad that I do eat and uh and it's very right. good. It's one of my favorite things there. But the sausage cheeseburger probably has to back off those.
2: <laughs> so so I won't do it to you, man. I won't go in there and get get my normal burgers and when I go in I'll eat what you eat and, and we'll be able to catch up on some football. And let's let's start that now, man. Here we go, another season. What year is this for you covering high school football? I mean, you've got to be in some pretty impressive numbers here.
10: Uh, yeah, this is year thirty-five.
2: Wow, thirty-five! Now, in thirty-five years, did you ever think you'd see all this astroturf across the, the low country? That you'd see so many different coaches coming from so many different areas. I mean, this was a traditional area of the low country when you had probably the five-five. I mean, you think about the coach that was at Berkeley, at Somerville, at Stratford, at Wando. I mean, th- these were coaches that that nobody thought they would ever leave unless they were, you know, brought out on a stretcher or something. But uh now here we are and, and this coaching carousel continues to turn and we got a guy in Monk's Corner, South Carolina coaching from Florida. I just never thought I'd see the day and I, I'm expecting big things from him by the way.
10: Yeah, I think Eric's gonna do a fine job. Uh, he he's gonna may struggle a little bit this year. They're young and got a lot of things to, to fix. But uh, I think they're 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 gonna be competitive but they're gonna build I think he's won a state championship in the state of Florida, so he knows how to build. Um, But you're right, the the coaching carousel and the player carousel, you know, the transfer portal is a real and living thing in the high school ranks. And a lot of kids have uh, have jumped ship and moved to other schools. And uh, I I think that's we've got to get used to that because that's not going to go away.
2: David, when you see this, and you and I, we we chuckle on Twitter because it's almost – for some, it's an information highway. For some of us, it's entertainment. It's almost like watching the circus kind of unfold on your phone. You're seeing kids now tweet out, thank you for everything you've done for me. I'm taking my talents to – and they're mentioning another other high schools names. I just – it's weird to me. I guess, like you said, this is the new age of football, man. This is what you and I get to cover. And, 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 again, from you to see where we are to even Twitter and Facebook and all that stuff is we never thought a lot of this would be a conversation. But – uh, is that kind of where we're going now? I mean, how does Berkeley County keep their kids in Berkeley County and keep them out of Dorchester County? How does Dorchester County keep them out of Charleston County? Or is this is just a battle that they just need to figure out and say, "Look, we're just going to be a state that go play where you want to play."
10: Well, I, I don't. I don't think there's a way to stop it. I think. I think at some point, um, coaches throw their hands up and say, "You know what? If you want to go somewhere, go somewhere." You know, we're going to coach the ones we have, and and I think that's what the, the the process you have to take is, you can't worry about who's not with you. You got to coach the ones who are with you, and but it's not going away. All you got to do is look at college football, and whatever happens at the college level, expect it to trickle down to the high school level. Uh, we'll have NIL in high school before long. Uh, somebody will challenge that, and there there's not a legal, not really a legal standing that you can take to prevent kids from getting money for promotion and playing high school sports. I know right now it's it's against the high school league rules to you lose your amateur status, but like I said, somebody's going to challenge that and probably win. So uh, there's a lot of things. You just look at the college level, and it's going to trickle down to the high school level and as uh, it's kind of just the way it's always been.
2: David, when we look around the, the low country, and this seems to be uh, an interesting year for many. With Coach Tate coming in from the upstate, like we mentioned the coach from uh, Florida coming into Berkeley. you got the coach from Georgia. He's over there at Hanahan. But there's still some familiar faces over, of course, at Kane Bay. Uh, and that coach has been there for quite some time. He may be the pioneer at this point uh, with uh, Coach LePrat stepping down. And there's a new coach over there. Uh, Somerville's got a coach, even though he played there. He's in yeah, third or fourth year there, now coaching over there. Well, what is your take on the coaches now compared to what we've seen before and, and just kind of the mindset of what you see on a Friday night life?
10: Yeah. Yeah. Russell's there. at Cane Bay is now the uh, godfather of high school coaches in the tri-county area. Uh, I think he's going into his 10th or 11th season and, uh, no one else has been in their position that long. So it is kind of a, a newer group of head coaches. You know, Jason Winstead has been at Goose Creek now for I think six to seven years and, uh, and uh, Denny McDaniel's going into year five at Stratford, Ian at, at Somerville. Uh, but, there, you know, at some point, you know, old coaches have to retire. So you have to bring in the younger guys. And, and it, it, is a, it, is, it is sometimes difficult because I think we have seven – I think I wrote – no, there's eight new head coaches in the Charleston area this year. And some of them went from a local school to a local school, but they're at new schools. Um, but that's just kind of, you know, that's the nature of the beast. And South Carolina is a great place to coach high school football. So you're going to see guys from North Carolina, Georgia, and Florida apply for these jobs. So, uh, you know, people better get used to that because they're going to apply. And in some cases, you know, they're good coaches, so they're going to get hired. Um, but uh, it's, just, it's just a testament to, to really – how good South Carolina high school football is, and how a lot of these districts um, they, they they do pay well, um, so people want to come and make money and and have a chance to win
2: hey, hanging out was one of the great ones to do it David Shelton here hanging out thirty five years and covering high school football, and he 's on here with us today talking high school sports we 're going to stay in Berkeley County. When you look at some of these schools, and, and, and Coach there had an amazing year last year, David. We thought, and I thought, they were going to find a way to win that region. And, and, and a couple of mishaps. I mean, they did go and beat James Island, which, uh, you know, they talk about another up-and-coming program with another new coach that's been there for a little while. He does a great job. But they found that big W and, of course, took that momentum with them through the year but found a way to not – wasn't able to finish the deal. As Goose Creek guys of another region, uh, Coach Winestead over there with the Gators, but but when you look around the region, that, that, that side of the region, I like Berkeley. I think that they're a team that, kind of, that people will sleep on. If you look at at the high school report, they didn't even have it in the top 20, which it's good conversation. That's about as far as I go with it for good radio talk. But uh, what do you like about that side of the county when Berkeley County, you've got, of course, uh, you know some other teams inside there like Cross and Hanahan that are in different classifications. But kind of break down that Berkeley area for me if you don't mind
10: yeah it's a it's a good um and quality area for high school football I, you know as, as far as Berkeley, they're not they're not going to win the region this year they're're they're, they're, they're going to have one senior on defense they're going to start a freshman quarterback now they'll be competitive they'll be better but uh not not going to be able to to play with the goose creeks and cane Bays I don't think uh, I think Stratford has a chance to be improved and maybe be in that mix uh, because when you have a good quarterback You can win games and they got a good quarterback. Uh, But you mentioned Cross went to the lower state finals last year, probably will be uh, a contender again in the lower state. Uh, They got some good players back, uh, including their quarterback, which, again, when you have a quarterback in high school that that has been there and done that and effective, then you got a chance to win. And uh, Hanahan, we'll see. You know, they lost their quarterback over to Somerville um, before the new coach was hired. But I think they've created a lot of excitement, and they do have a really good running back. They're going to lean on Kevin Rivera, um, but uh, you know I think maybe, perhaps we'll see the best team in the Berkeley County is is maybe Phillip Simmons. Uh, they got a lot of guys back, and they're and they they've been building. Uh, they've got two quarterbacks who could win, uh, the returning uh, starter and the guy from the JV who I've heard is really talented. So I think you know Phillip Simmons may may be the best team in Berkeley county we'll see how they how they perform
2: now they're four a today we expect them to be a five a program with the realignment that happened in a couple of years right I mean that's kind of how fast they're growing over there
4: well they're three
10: a right now um, they'll they'll probably be realigned to four a um, they may okay. get to five a depending on if some schools drop uh, I don't know how their how their attendance is growing if it's growing that fast but I think next year, when the new alignment comes out, they they may end up in 4A, but but uh, they'll be a very competitive 3A program this year.
2: Let's go to the next county over. We'll stay in that side over there. You got Oceanside, who was a runner-up in the uh, lower state championship last year. They've got some pl- holes over there with Von Blue, and of course Big Monroe is no longer there, but they've got a couple of other big dogs that are still there, and uh, they've got a quarterback that's got some time under his belt now. Is to be a second full year as the starting quarterback over there. Uh talk to me about Oceanside. The other team that I'm interested in is Coach McCoy, the James Island boys over there. they reloading up a little bit. Probably going to be his most attractive roster that we've seen since he's taken over the Trojans. But there's a few other teams over there in that Charleston area that uh, may make a little noise. Uh, David, tell me about what you like and dislike about the Charleston area.
10: Well, I don't think there's a lot of depth in terms of quality teams, but I think the two you mentioned are capable of – uh, they're two of the better teams in the area. I put out my low country top ten yesterday, and I have James Island second and Oceanside fourth, with uh, Somerville one and Fort Dorchester three. So, uh, James Island McCoy's got it going on. They got you know they got the best special teams in the state uh, with kicker, punter, long snapper. They got one of the best receivers. Uh, they got it, their quarterback that was supposed to be the quarterback last year got hurt. He's back, and they got. Skill people galore, you know, receivers, running backs, athletes, secondary guys. Uh, they're gonna they're gonna be very good, and I and I think Oceanside. You mentioned the guys they lost, but you know Ben Britton is one of the best defensive linemen in the in the state. Uh, he'll anchor that defense. Max Mormon is a junior linebacker that is a really good prospect, and then you got Riedenbach, the the quarterback, who you know threw for 1,500 yards and won a lower state title as the starter. You know, they got to find some guys to catch it and some guys to run it. But uh, they're going to be good up front, and they're going to be physical on defense. And I think uh, Oceanside's got a real good shot to win lower state again in 2A.
2: Should be fun. And by the way, y- y- you heard Brent Pratt, the new defensive coordinator over there, Oceanside. Uh, that adds a little bit of conversation for you and me and, of course, uh, some excitement because as he was the offensive coordinator for that over at Fort for-, for a few good years, he was well-known for what he did at defense. I mean, how do you think that's going to add on top of having some of the other big names that he's got on his uh, staff as well, but bringing in a LaPrade uh, with his ability and some of the things that he's learned from his dad and some other coaches, big uh, pickup um, on the coaching staff as well.
10: Yeah, not not a bad hire at all. When you can get a guy with his experience um, at, coming from the best program in the area right now um, and, and plug him into your defense with, with Coach Salazo and some of the other guys they have, uh, that's a big hire, and that that will make a he'll make an impact with that group.
6: He'll have good players for sure.
2: Oh yeah, definitely. And he was a guy that played, if I'm not mistaken, at NC State as a defensive guy. Played for a pretty big name over there uh, as well. So he's got the experience to go with it. As we now travel to Dorchester County, David uh, Somerville's a team man. They've got a quarterback from Hanahan, a linebacker from Stratford, a wide receiver from Goose Creek. But they've got guys that were there before with Yannick Smith, who just got and committed to. East Carolina, but they've got some guys everywhere. My only concern, and I've talked to some of their coaches, is the secondary. I talked to their secondary coach, and that seems to be a a concern. But Aaron Self, one of the best defensive coordinators uh, in the area, definitely possibly in the state, as he'll find ways to get his staff ready and his players ready as well, David. But Coach Smith, the new coach at Fort, got a new coach over there at Ashy Ridge. Tell me what your thoughts of uh, that area and and some of the changes that we may start to see over there in Dorchester County is now – I think all but actually Ridge is the only team waiting to get a, a, a little bit of turf on their field.
10: Yeah, I, I think I think Ford's still going to be pretty good. You know, the, the head man changed and some they lost some coaches when he decided to step down. But but Coach Smith will will do a good job. He's been there. He's run the offense. Uh, they've got really good running backs. Uh, they lost a really good quarterback, but uh, the kid that transferred from Wando you know, supposedly we will plug in there. And they're always big up front, always fast on defense. Uh, they're, they're not going to be – it's not going to be a huge drop-off. I do agree that Somerville is the best team in the area right now. And their secondary lacks two guys, but they got two guys back um, that are really good. So they're going to have to plug in two guys. But they return linebackers. They return running backs. They have the best receiving core in the area, you know, across the board. And I really think getting Jaden coming from Hanahan, um, the, kid, the kid's got some talent. He's got great, great arm talent. And and with those receivers, I think they're going to be able to exploit defenses. Um, I think Woodland's going to be pretty competitive. Now, they, they also lost a great quarterback. Um, but they got one in from first bad. This is such a pretty good player. And they, they have some skilled people back. And they've got Cam Pringle man in the left side of that whole offensive line. So, um, you know, they'll be pretty good. Ashley Ridge, you know, Jeff Tate will bring in a, a wide-open offense. That's what he's always run. He's always had teams that score points. Um, I think they've got the personnel with Derek Sally at wide receiver to score some points. They've got to play really well on defense. That's going to be the big challenge for them is to not have to outscore everybody. At Ren, you know, he was – Jeff Tate's teams traditionally would put up 60, 70 points. Um, their defense would give up 30 or 40, but they couldn't get stopped. Um, I don't know that that offense will be that explosive, but I think they're, you know, he's going to find ways to get the ball in the playmaker's hands, and, and they're going to score because that's just his, his, uh, his mentality. But defensively, they're going to have to shore up some things.
2: Now David, let's look as we uh we've about to touched everybody here, but we gotta look at the most interesting conversation and it's in Skeezer right now, because you got three names and three different places that could easily do some things. We'll start off with the ball birch who of course was there with Chad Greer at Oceanside, traveled with him over of course the border into Charlotte they had won a state championship or two or maybe three when he was there. I think two possibly then Pinewood says, well, we're going to make a big splash. They bring in Devontae Holliman, who has a state championship ring, played great football in the great state, played for the Gamecocks, the Cowboys. That one, to me, was the biggest shock to bring him in uh, to the area. But then all of a sudden, Johnny Waters, he's not done yet, and he's hanging out over there at Northwoods. He's got his kids on the bus. I believe they're actually in Atlanta right now uh, doing some camp. He uh, have started their stuff on Thursday." How surprised were you to see the headlines of Skiza now making some treadway and, and getting some wake here in uh, the area of, college, of high school football?
10: Well, I, I thought the Holloman hire was a bit of a surprise um, because he had had a really good job at South Point and got out of coaching, and and then they attracted him there, and they've got some players back. So I, I would expect they'll be very competitive. I think the best team in the Skiza ranks might be – Porter Gow. Um, Brad Bowles is now, you know, I think in his fourth or fifth year and has a lot of returning players. I think they're going to be very good. Uh, First Davis and Northwood, a lot of excitement, a lot of uh, rah-rah stuff, but not ready yet. Uh, they're, not, they're not going to be they got a long ways to go and I, I thought I thought First Davis had a shot until the quarterback left and went to Woodland. Um, so I don't know who the next guy was. I think they're going to be pretty young. I think Northwood has, you know, gotten some transfers, and that will make them better. But I don't think uh, maybe in their at their level they'll be okay. Uh, but it may take another year or two for, for both those programs to kind of, you know, get back to, to where they once were. Um, but I, I like Pinewood and I like Porter Um, you know, to be very competitive. Now, you know, they – you got to beat those schools in Columbia, the Hammonds and the Cardinal Newmans and the Ben Lippens, and not sure how our schools would compare to them. But they'll be competitive, I, I, I really think that.
2: Now, David, you did release, you mentioned it, we got it here with you. David Shelton's Low Country preseason top ten. He's got the Green Wave of Somerville, number one, James Island, number two, Fort D, number three, Oceanside, the Landsharks is number four, Phillip Simmons, rounding out the top five, and then the Gators of Goose Creek, Lucy Beckham, number seven, Kane Bay at number eight, Woodland, number nine, and Ashley Ridge. 20 Block is hanging out at number ten. That's a pretty solid list, but just like the teams you just mentioned, well, these teams got to play teams in the upstate, too, David, and we found out, of course, that hybrid region has this team called Dutch Fork. We'll start in 5A. Uh, they come back to the lower state. So once again, the road to the state championship does go through Columbia and Dutch Fork, and of course, Tommy Knott's. What do you like at 5A? And Talk about maybe some of the teams in the upstate, and, and do we have a chance down here in the lower state to bring home a trophy uh, back to the lower state in five A football?
10: Uh, it's gonna be very difficult because I I was speaking with someone yesterday who was speaking to a high school coach in Columbia who said Dutch Fork's gonna be better than they were a year ago, uh, and we were like, what? Without Jarvis Green, and he's like, dude, they got linemen; they, they're really good on defense you got a really good quarterback again. Tom Knotts always has a quarterback. Uh, So I I think it all runs through Dutch Fork. And, you know, I don't know why anybody would think any different. Um, As long as Tom Knotts is there, they're not coming back down to earth. I mean, they're going to win. They're going to be the team to beat. Um, You know, I I think uh, 4A is a little more interesting with Westside and Northwestern. Uh, you got South Florence, who's a defending chance. They lost North Sellers, but they got some talent back, too. Uh, maybe James Allen can fit in that mix. We'll see how they perform. You know, a lot of times you get these teams with a lot of hype, and they have good players, but sometimes they get a little full of themselves, and they don't play as well as they're capable of playing. James Allen's not been in this position in decades. So how they handle that will determine whether or not they're a serious lower state you know, contender. I think they will be, but there is no, there is no crystal ball. There is no assurances that they will be because they got to go out and play. Um, You know, Abbeville in the two A ranks is going to be Abbeville. Great collegiate is going to be very good. So Oceanside is going to have to deal with them. Barnwell has a new coach. They had some kids transfer out. uh, So they may take a step back. Maybe Timberland, um, Timberland has got some good athletes and maybe they can make a, a little bit of a push, um, but I don't think state state championship level. But uh, unfortunately for teams in the lower state, uh, the teams in the upper state still have a little bit of an upper hand in most of the classifications.
2: David, we ask this question every time, and, and we, you and I talk about it from time to time, but what is it? What, Why is there a, a such a division? And I remember back in the 90s when we had the Sweet 16, and it kind of looks a lot like the 4A and the 5A right now, probably more than it's ever looked because there's so many really good teams in 4A football right now, upper state and lower state. But where, what causes, where is, what would be the reason why there's such a, a division or drop from how good they are up there to how far we have, maybe how far back we are down here in the lower state. And, I mean, maybe it's I-95, David. I don't even think it's Columbia's in conversation here. I think it's more that I-95 grand strand down to the lower part of the low country. And I know Buford won a state championship and South Florence won one last year as well. But there is always that. We're always chasing the upper state. Why is that?
10: Well, I think it's commitment. I I definitely think in school districts in the upstate, they're very committed to athletics. Uh, I think uh, in the lower state, down in this area, you have lip service to commitment, but not much. But I will say it is it is turning a little bit, you know, for Fort Dorchester to get turf. Uh, Somerville Stadium has been redone. I think Ashley Ridge will get turf eventually. Uh, Woodland has turf. So, you know, it's about pay. Dorchester County uh, coaching stipends are not comparable with what that is in Spartanburg County. Um, you know, even in, like, Greenville County, is there's not a strong commitment to paying and to athletics, but you have a good coach in Greg Porter at Greenville High School, and they're going to be a legitimate state title contender because of him. They were able to attract him. And, and uh, you know, I don't know what he makes or money-wise or whatever, but, but when you look at what Tom Knotts makes, you know, $110,000 a year to coach high school football, and they they give them everything you need because they realize the importance of putting putting people in the stands and making money, and they do um I think Ord County has made a step up now, I think almost all of their schools now in the last two years have turf stadiums. North Myrtle Beach has a new lights and and has a lot going on there um you know and Myrtle Beach has always been pretty good except they had a losing season last year, so you know I think it's just commitment, and it's it's uh you got to put money into it and you got to be willing to pay money and um, like i said i I think you know Berkeley County and Dorchester County is making some inroads in that regard. Charleston County still lags behind just a little bit.
2: what you even see it david where where and again, we're steering into this direction because uh, yeah, even look at them sharing stadiums. I'm not a fan of that. I know in Atlanta that's a big thing because we've gotten some uh, some schools there that we've talked to on the air here that we had a school actually that came in from Atlanta and played Somerville when I was over there, uh, and they share a stadium. I mean, that takes away so much from the kids. I know Oceanside, when I was there for that year with Coach Call. Yeah, you know, the, there's no it, – it, it takes away tradition and the access to the kids to the stadium. Uh, it just gives it a whole different meaning. And and even though people say, well, Somerville has it, well, that's a tradition in Somerville that's been there forever, right? I mean, you can remember your days growing up, man, where that was just – that's what it was, man. I mean, back in the day, that high school was right beside there, which is now the district office. But, you know, you even go as far as looking at a coach that we lost who's now the athletic director at airport and the head football coach and the course, Shane Fidler, who it's no secret the amount of raise that he got from going from one to the other county and up to the Midlands. But the thing that really got me, David, and this is something that a guy actually came at me on social media when I said, we need to have more indoor facilities like airports got. That's their facility. Well, a guy came at me, the coach, uh, assistant coach somewhere, and He said, When we have that, they're called multi-purpose rooms. I was like, that's a big difference. That's a classroom converted into an accessible room for athletes to twist ankles and do things. That's not a ceiling that's raised up about 50 feet or 100 feet in the air where they can kick balls and throw things and and basically stimulate stimulate an entire half of a football field, right? How far do you think we are from being those facilities? Because the upstate Greenville's got those facilities. Now it's down to Columbia. Is it just working its way down here?
10: Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'm 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 not sure that you need it. Um in in some case, I, you know um, you know, I guess, I guess I guess it does serve a purpose, but um you know, to me that's a lot of uh we'll see if airport well, I'll put it this way. We'll see if airport wins the state championship because they got an indoor facility. I'm 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 guessing not, but um but I think, you know, those are kind of Uh, makeup and eyelash and, uh, you know, football's played outside. So that's where you need to be. Um, I think Port, I think Port has some sort of indoor. um, I think it's a smaller one, but I I think they they have some sort of indoor thing over there uh, that they had maybe a year or so ago. I, I can't, I'm pretty sure now, unless they don't have it no more, but. I know LePrad told me one day they were gonna be inside and I didn't understand what he meant when he told me. He said, Well we got a little indoor thing. I don't I don't think it's a hundred yards. But I think right. I think what you could see is some schools building you know. Oh,
2: we just lost David. He'll probably call back in just a minute, talking to David Shelton. 35 years in the making of greatness, of covering high school sports. I think he nailed it. And, he, and, and in just a statement, and just a sentence there, maybe I kind of changed a little bit of how I thought. And he said, the indoor facility is a lot like makeup and eyelashes. I dig it. I understand it. Now I get exactly what he was saying because that's about right. It, the game is played outside. It is played outside. However, comparatively to when I played the game in the 90s, they didn't have the wet bulb. The only bulb that was wet was your head because it was soaking wet and you might got water. You might not got water and you drink it out of a hose uh, and all of that. But uh, we got him back. So we'll bring David back in. Uh, we dropped you somewhere there, David. We uh, welcome you back, buddy.
10: Yeah. yeah I, I was just saying that I, I, I think, I think it would be a good idea uh, if schools had the money, but I think a lot of schools would like to spend their money in other ways. But but if the money was there and they wanted to have some sort of indoor facility, they could, Um, you know, maybe for the winter or for the, you know, rainy days. But, you know, I I don't know. I mean, it rained here yesterday and and I don't know how many Kings would have been indoors. Just, I mean, it didn't rain real bad. It rained more after practices were over. But, um, you know, I think, you know, if you got an indoor facility, you take advantage of it. If you don't, uh, you just do what you do with footballs outside sport, so that's what that's where you're going to practice and that's what you got to play in. Um, you know, I, I would, I would again, I would suspect um, uh, with the heat. If it's an air-conditioned facility, that might help. But nowadays practices are limited to so much. I mean, people are going from eight to ten. It ain't even hot at ten o'clock in the morning, and then they're off the field. I was, I was t- telling somebody yesterday. When I started in this, uh, people were doing three a days, and I could get I could get six or seven schools in one day, because I you know because they they're going three hours and then they would take a break and eat lunch and then they'd go back out and then at, at night they would go back out. Well, now that's uh, that don't happen anymore. They they restricted that, so it kind of makes my job harder because they can only get you know maybe three if I hustle. In one day, but but more likely it's two.
2: Yeah, and it's, it's a different deal now with the wet bulb. I was saying that when you broke loose. I, I said the only wet bulb that was around the 90s was our heads and drinking out of uh, out of a rubber hose was kind of what we did. I mean, things have definitely changed, and you see that with turf fields. I mean, it's just part of the business that we're in. We're covering it as it changes on, on a dime. Now, the one thing I do want to do, because I don't want the guys in the lower part of the low country to think we missed them now. Uh, we do know, by the way, uh, that they, they do some big stuff down there. You do a great job covering those guys as well. But Coach Labred, of course, with Buford winning a state championship. But there's a couple of other, well branches and stuff like that. What do we like down there in the lower part of the low country? Is they also yeah, they put some teams that compete during the postseason as well.
10: Yeah, I, I think Mae River's done a really good job over the years of being very competitive. Uh, you mentioned Well Branch and Buford has played for state title two years in a row and the defending state champs now. And in 3A, and uh, certainly I think they're going to be good again. I think Bryce is one of the best young coaches, you know. I guess in the under 35 crowd or whatever you want to call it uh, in the state. Um, but yeah, they they have good football. Hilton Head could be improved this year, you know. Nick Schuford who won four state titles at Thomas Hayward, is now over at Buford Academy, and uh, I think he will he will challenge in the skis or ranks in his classification because. He not only went over, but he also got some of his players to come over, including his son, who's the quarterback, and uh, and the best receiver at Thomas Award, Ty Mansell. So, uh, I think Buford Academy and the Skeezer ranks from down that way. Um, will probably be a be a major player. I, I think they're I think they're two A in Skeezer, but uh, I, I can't remember because Skeezer went to four classes, and I can't remember who goes where. But but I think they're going to be very competitive.
2: Just what you wanted to hear. Skies is also not going to cause a lot of waves. So Friday nights just got a little bit busier for David, where uh, you and, of course, Phil Blue on Friday nights, you guys do the best job of all covering the state, man. Uh, you guys are uh, the godfathers. You mentioned the coach earlier, but I would say you two guys are sitting at the head of our table of what we do, man. And we look up to you guys for what y'all have put together, covering the high school guys and just covering everything that happens from recruiting to on and off field things. As well, David. What's on the agenda this year? Anything special? Anything new? Uh, I know you cover for a handful of different individuals. Of course, you do the show with Bobby as well. But uh, what's on the agenda this year for you? anything new?
10: Nothing new. I'm just I'm trying to maintain, brother. I'm trying to <laughs> keep up with the Bobby Hartons and the Phil Cornbluths and the High School Sports Report and the Post and Courier and the Richie Altman. Sure. So if I keep <laughs> up with you guys, then, then I'll be okay. Yeah. I, I hope nobody else calls me because I'm I'm kind of tapped out.
2: Well, I can tell you what, I appreciate what you do. Lunch is on me, by the way, when we go to Mass or anywhere. That's why I was telling you before, man. You tell me where you're going on Friday nights, I'll kind of tag along with you. I'll drive you. I'll, I'll be your driver, man, and we'll we'll stop and eat somewhere. That'll be part of one of my segments, and uh, we'll be able to kind of do some things because wherever you go, usually it's the best game in the area. Uh, and uh, I tell you what, I'm just going to kind of follow your lead. Now, before I get you out, there's been some other exciting stuff happening uh, in sports in the Low Country, and I have to give Coach Landy Cox a lot of credit. I think David, they're still playing in the in the uh, Dixie Youth World Series in Louisiana. I, I did share his uh, post uh, that he gave a great speech when they won the state here or the reg- I think they won the regional here over amongst corner. Uh, they uh, have done great things. And then, what, the three-peat over in North Charleston this past weekend with uh, Mr. Uh, Tobin, who's going to the Citadel. Uh, baseball in the state of South Carolina. We talk football, brother, but we play some hellacious baseball in the Palmetto State as well.
10: Oh, we absolutely do. And, we're, you know, P.J. Morlando had an incredible summer. Uh, he's probably going to be a top 10 pick in next year's draft from right here in Somerville. His teammate, Carson Messina, is probably going to be a pro guy. Um, you know, we've got several guys from Somerville that are in the minor leagues or or, you know, playing and, and Berkeley was really good and Oceanside's got had six guys signed division one. So uh you got James Island, you got Wando. Baseball in the low country uh is very, very competitive. Um maybe not as many state titles. You know, Oceanside has won back to back but but we're right there in the mix and you you and Everybody else knows it comes down to, you know, having enough pitching to to complete that championship run and sometimes you got it and sometimes you don't. And when you do, you got a shot. And you know, that was what the strength of Oceanside was this year. They had they had great arms and that's why they won the title. But yeah, baseball in the low country, uh, is is pretty dang solid. It, it, there's some good good players and good teams.
2: It'll be a lot of fun, man. David, for everything you do on and off of any broadcast or any news article, again, when we're sleeping at 3 a.m., you're writing and typing and texting and hitting send across the state, man. And uh, just get some rest, man, because uh, your season is about to go into overdrive, buddy. And if you need me, reach out to me. And uh, if you got time during the season, man, you're my go-to, man. If, if anybody that knows something about anything when it comes to football, baseball, basketball, anything in the state, man, it's you. And I appreciate it. You giving me time, uh and, and mentioning me and all the names there that you mentioned where you guys are the you guys are the reason we get to do what we do every Friday or Saturday or whatever day we get on the radio or type up an article, man. Thank you for what you do, buddy.
10: Okay, man. Take care. Have a good show.
2: There you go, buddy. The man himself, David Shelton, joins us here. Thirty five years, man, and uh God the guy's just a, he's like he's a he, he's just he's a walking talking uh, thesaurus of athletics in our state, man. And I tell you what, he ought to be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, I, there's so many guys that do so many things that, that we, as me, be it a 45-year-old guy who continues to, to believe that, that if we just continue to do it the right way and do things the way we do them, then things will happen. It's never wrong to do the right thing. And I say that to my children. I say that uh, in my relationship. I say that in general. Just it's Here's where we are. And and, and we're striving, we're driving we're we're, we're where we are in life, and we're trying to get where we're trying to go. And put yourself around great people, guys. I I can't – if you look at my list, Darrell Hendricks, five-star guy. Reginald Walker, five-star guy. David Shelton, five-star guy. And how great is the Lord we serve above? Right before he came in, Matthew Scott. And I didn't know David was going to mention his situation because I don't bring out people's personal business. But isn't it on point and on time? For him to, for us to have Matthew Scott, who is the founder of the South Carolina Youth Diabetes Association, who has a 10-year run at putting an event down, who mentioned everything he mentioned. Coach Smitty, of course, joined us for a little while there, uh, as he's the uh, one of, he's a, one of our coaches here on staff who uh, coaches over there, of course, at uh, King Street. But for us to segue into having David Shelton come in here and tell you guys, listen, what you eat is what you will become. All right, You see that in gyms, you see that in hallways, you see that across uh, towns. Mindful the way you do what you do. Because it may not hit a toll on you today, but it will show up on you tomorrow. And, again, uh, David has been through it, man. I have never met a man so strong. He is, he's been through some things, and I don't want to put his life out there, but a guy has lost a lot of people close to him. Uh, he has uh, an amazing, beautiful family. Uh, his, Of course, his daughter's got – Uh, two beautiful children, and uh, he's got another son, and I can tell you that the guy fights for things that are right, and he will only join those who he believes are doing it the right way, which is what I do, which is why I have Moving the Chains a part of what we do, because I believe that those young guys, those men, are putting the right foot forward. We're going to do that the rest of this week. We're going to do that tomorrow, and we will start here shortly going Monday through Monday through Friday, 6 to 8 in the mornings. We're not there yet. We're not there yet. But we will, and I didn't get a chance to talk to David about this because there's just so much to get into and there's so much to conversate with David. I wanted to touch on everything that we did. But he does have, by the way, uh, it is the third annual Low Country Media Day. And I know all the beat writers will be there, the TV cameras, the radio, you name it, we'll all be there. But so will the coaches and their players. They'll bring three or four players with them. Uh, I can tell you that Coach McCoy in the first annual one showed up, and I thought the Florida Gators were coming in town because these dudes were – they were to the nine, man. They had on their loafers, man. They had on their slacks, their jackets, their ties, and it was it was real. And it, it was impressive. Uh, but I got a chance to know Coach McCoy prior to him taking the job at James Island, so I wasn't surprised, but I was definitely impressed. And so I'm not sure we'll get that from everybody or what we'll see this year from the Trojans at James Island. Uh, the biggest thing they want to show us at the end of the year is a trophy and a ring and things like that. But it's going to be a tough challenge, and, and who better to accept that than our coaches uh, here in the Low Crunch and across the state, guys. We're very lucky, and you heard David say, this is a great place to live. Our state, uh, you know, if you go look around, all right, you, I, I don't look at a lot of the stats and social media because they, they say, I've been here, I've lived here most of my life. I'm from here, and uh, it, it's a great state. It's a great place to call home, and uh, we've got great people surrounding us. If it wasn't great, right, if it wasn't great, Then Ohio and New York and New Jersey and West Virginia and about 20,000, well, what, 40-plus other states wouldn't try to come here and make this home either. So there's something here. There's something here that they want to be a part of. Just like these coaches, they retire in North Carolina, find their way to South Carolina. And West Ashley is a team. We didn't talk about West Ashley, Coach, but I think, uh, David, I think West Ashley is a team to watch out for. Quietly, I think they're a team to watch out for. We'll see. Uh, They started off really strong last year. We'll see what they have this year. Now, they do go in their jamboree, in the Charleston County jamboree. They will see uh, James Island. And and I wish that all three counties would get together and one do Thursday, one do Friday, one do Saturday, so that we could all get around and see it because it's kind of tough. Uh, but, you know, again – out of my pay grade, out of my lane, i stay where I'm at right here on Southern Sports Central, and uh, I kind of do what I need to do here. Now, next week, I'm going to get back to the South Carolina Coaches Association and get those guys, uh, somebody from them to come in, and we're going to talk about what happened in Greenville and maybe the head of the athletic director's Twitter page. i got to find out who runs that thing uh, and, and find out what they did because there was a lot of great speakers. I mean, you heard, um, you know, Jarrell said that it was impressive to see both South Carolina and Clemson coaches in-house. strength and conditioning coaches there. Uh, But I also applaud whoever put this formula together because they also have started up a youth, a young coaches uh, group as well, trying to help the young coaches understand the transition from being an assistant to being a head coach. And the responsibility of being a head coach in this great state of South Carolina isn't, look, it, it, it isn't just, I'm here, I'm a coach, and I can do what I need to do, and I have clout, and, and I can just whatever. So no, it comes with a lot of responsibility. A good buddy of mine is the head coach over there. at uh, McGovern is the head coach, the basketball coach at Fort Dorchester, which, by the way, he's going to start, and he's going to have very soon a basketball show on this network as well called In the Paint. Stay tuned for that conversation. But, uh, yeah, we're back, man. We are back and running. I've got coaches calling me. I've got other guys wanting to do some shows. So we're going to open this mic up and this opportunity when we're not live for other things to happen. That way there's always something kind of going on here and that we can kind of educate you, entertain you. But a little touch of that word called sarcasm, right? It's always fun uh, to do that. But the most important thing is to get these young athletes, men and women, to be recognized, Okay, that's a big thing. I do want to recognize a young lady who has been on this show, and she is an alumni at my high school. And I got to tell you something. When the word came out that Miss Maymay Arnold, who is a track star, at she's a track star at Texas A and M, she started at Coastal after graduating from Sac City, and now went to the SEC, and where she runs for Texas A and M. This young lady has done amazing things, and I am so proud of her as she is uh, the, 400 meter, uh, the 400 meter and the four-by-four four champion and has gotten the gold medal around her neck there, and she's going to qualify for, uh, I believe that helps her get into the Olympics. I don't have a lot of knowledge, but I do know that she will be joining us here on the show uh, next week. Uh, she was trying to get in here this week. We just didn't have the way to move some things around, but uh, Miss Arnold, has done an incredible job. I remember having her in here as she committed to uh, Coastal. She was a high school athlete, and uh, we had her come in because it was during the COVID time. I wanted to give her her time to shine and to see her, just like we watched Bryson Allen Williams, just like we've seen so many other ones. TJ Hopkins, who TJ, by the way, uh, is in the Reds organization. He's been called up to the big leagues, and, you know, your time there is never guaranteed, but I'm telling you, he's a guy that's going to be around for a long time. Uh, His brother, also, uh, is get, he just got drafted by the Mariners uh, There's just so many of me We talk about PJ Moreland who won the Home Run Derby He's from South Carolina He's from Somersville Plays over at the high school or down the street So many talented athletes here So many great guys continue to do great things uh, And girls as well So we just want to say thank you guys for listening to us today As uh, we're going to wrap up the show here We'll be back live uh, next Saturday We'll be live next Saturday We'll get back to our 10 o'clock segment We ten to two As uh, we want to thank also Coach D.A. He did his big thing today, by the way, guys. If you uh, didn't get a chance to get over and uh, support a good cause, you missed out. He had his uh, big 5K walk uh, with Coach D.A. It was, again, uh, to build the community, uh, reaching out to fraternities and churches and organizations and just the community. Walk together, grow together, be together on a Saturday morning. It started at 9 o'clock. And I tell you what, the rain was coming, guys. The rain was on the way. Uh, But, uh, you know, in the old Lee Corso voice, uh, the big Lord said, not so fast, my friend. He pushed that thing uh, to the other direction. I think everybody got in, got out there, and and, and enjoyed themselves. The turnout was good considering the weather. It was great. Uh, But uh, for Coach D.A., he does a great job. He's very much like ourselves, a very big uh, guy in the community that goes to the basketball games. He'll hang out at other venues as well because he believes in the athletes and wants to help these young men and women become grown men and women and doing it all in the right way. So I want to thank him for what he did, what he put together today for us and inviting us uh, to be a part of what he did as well, guys. So that to do it for today. Again, I want to thank my guest who joined us at the top of hour number one, which was Jarrell Hendricks. He is with Moving the Change. We had Reginald Walker, Jr. Of course, he has multiple shows and does multiple things there in the Queen City of Charlotte, North Carolina, but he covers – us with all the college information that we can handle. David Shelton, David Shelton, the best in the biz when it comes to high school sports. He covers everything from the low country to the upstate and every spot in between. High school baseball, basketball, football, wrestling, you name it, he covers it and does an incredible job. And then we got a surprise visit from Matthew Scott. He is this young man. Ten years ago today, he joined us for the first time ever as a high school kid with a dream that he was going to start a softball game that was going to help while having fun Build awareness on diabetes Within the youth And as we said earlier, you heard David uh, Just got cleared and going In that direction as he was uh, Down and out for about a month and a half So again guys, we are here To educate you, we're here to entertain you But we're also here to grow together, to stay together So with that being said, follow us on Facebook At Southern Sports Central And on Twitter At S O Central. Guys, want to thank everybody for listening today We look forward to seeing you next Saturday Right here on Southern Sports Central at 10 a.m., guys. Until then, have a great weekend. Stay hydrated, stay safe, and stay blessed. Thanks for listening. We'll see you again next week, 10 a.m. sharp, guys.
0: We're going wiggle, coming off